playing us in. It's Heavy Hitters. We're back at a new time for the spring semester. Hope everyone enjoyed their break and is just doing well in general. I'm Jack Heim, as always, joined by my wonderful co-host, Mitchell Smedley. What's up? We are back. A lot to talk about. We're going so to start in the NFL realm of things. We're going to do a brief recap of what was Division of Weekend before we switch and preview what is the upcoming conference championship weekend. Mitch, we are nearing that time. The NFL season is coming close to an end. Um, yeah. you know, we have conference championship this upcoming week. Then, as usual, the couple weeks off before the Super Bowl, which is one of the greatest spectacles in sports. Um, but Magical. Yeah, yeah, one one could say magical, as Gus Johnson <laughs> likes to say. But uh, it's so great to be back. Just want to start off with that. Uh, you know, missed missed our time during break, man. You know, about a month, you know, just over a month off. Yeah. So, but we're back. So much to talk about. Um, and just want to start with Mitch. How you doing, man? Jack, I'm tired. It's 9 a.m. and there's heavy hitters on the air. What's going on, man? Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, our, our smoke alarm was going off at our apartment all last night. So I am, uh, I'm tired. I'm agitated. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm ready to go, man. I'm I'm revved up. You know, it's got me on my toes. I'm ready for anything. I'm ready for a radio show. Uh, how about you? You had a class. Jack is not only not only does Jack have an 8 a.m. class before this, folks, but give this hand a man. Just tell off. Give this man a hand. He's a commuter. Jack was up at 6 a.m. today. Something I haven't thought possible since my days of high school. So, Jack, I congratulate you and your your strength. You're so strong. Well, and thank uh, you, good I just sir. admire you. I admire you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first ballot KUR Hall of Famer coming up here. Well, we will talk about a Hall of Fame inductee a little bit later on in the show. It's a little teaser, but we're going to get right into the swing of things. Divisional weekend. So much to talk about uh, the futures of some of these teams that were in this round, what happened in these games. And we're going to start with the first game of the divisional round uh, the Jags and the Chiefs meeting at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, if you aren't aware, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs yet again for, I believe, the fifth consecutive season are going to the AFC Championship game. How about that? Yeah, it's incredible what they've been able to do. Andy Reid there, Patrick Mahomes, the offense. It just feels like every year uh, they're going to win a couple of playoff games and at least make the conference championship game. Patrick Mahomes played through that high ankle sprain that he suffered earlier in the game. Uh, what a gritty effort by him there uh, you know, to will his team through against a, a, a pesky Jags bunch, I'd say, Mitch. You know, Doug Peterson really had that group turned around in year one of his tenure down in Duval. As they like to say, Duval down there in Jacksonville. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, they found their franchise quarterback. Uh, just unfortunately for them in this one, uh, they weren't able to pull that up despite Trevor Lawrence playing much better than he did uh, in the wild card round. Yeah, it was a really great season, a really great effort by this uh, Jags team. I mean, coming off, uh, what was it, the largest comeback in playoff history? Um, third. 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 Largest comeback. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Behind only the Bills and, of course, um, the Chiefs, I think, against the Colts. Ah, okay. Yeah, I got you. So it was it was a huge game for them. Um, you know, the Chiefs are obviously a tough opponent, and Patrick Mahomes left this game momentarily with a uh, lower leg injury, which we'll definitely have to talk about, especially in our previews coming up. Um, Doug Peterson's coaching, though, I thought really shined through. I thought he got a lot out of uh, players that didn't necessarily have um, as much as I as much. I, I didn't think they had as much as we saw out of them this this season, and they were not a good football team. Early on, right? They they won a very poor uh, division, but give them credit. They won a playoff game, and they won a playoff game they should not have won. Um, Absolutely. And I think the Chargers were the better team. They had the better playmakers. But let this be a, a little tale in the in the realm of. I mean, coaching goes far, man. Doug Peterson, I think, should have stayed in Philadelphia. Personally, I love Doug Peterson. 
Uh, and if you gave me a choice right now between Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni, both of which, congratulations, are Coach of the Year finalists, I believe. Uh, I think I just saw that pop up on my uh, on my feed this morning. But um, both of them are, are you know, good coaches, I guess. But I, I absolutely would take Doug Peterson. He got me a Super Bowl. He's um, just always been able to get more out of uh, out of players that don't have it. Especially you, you want to like this goes back to, in my opinion, the 2018 season, right? Carson Wentz was was a wreck after the Eagles won that Super Bowl. I think the entire football world can agree on that, right? But he got enough out of Wentz to put them in position to make another playoff run. I understand Foles took the re- took the reins at the end there again, but they made the playoffs the next season as well. Um, and and then it didn't work out uh, the season after that, and and it was time for a regime change. Apparently, Doug's got some ego problems. It doesn't show though here in Jacksonville. Bringing back, uh, just kind of going through the timeline there. What what I saw from Doug Peterson this year was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I, I have some questionable. Um, I have some questions raised with how they're going to spend their money now because he got so much out of these players. They're going to want paydays. What, who is it? Christian Kirk got like an $80 million contract. Yeah, four-year deal. I mean, look, they, they spent big on, on the playmakers, and it really paid off. I and mean, they upgraded the offensive line, went, uh, you know, went out, got Brandon Scherf, play right guard. Yep. And they, made, they made some upgrades there. They, you know, This is a young team really led by their young defense, um, especially the defensive line. You got Josh Allen rushing off the edge. You know, the, uh, you know Trayvon Walker, they took with the number one overall pick. And then they have Arden Key, the former Raider. You know, they mix and match guys, especially in the defensive line. Uh, you know, their secondary is also really young. So it's really going to be interesting to see what this group does. I think they're really in a good spot, uh, especially going for the future. Because this division looks wide open. I mean, Tennessee, they showed their flaws uh, late in the season. They started hot. They were 7-3, and three, uh, but then went on that monumental losing streak uh, that really cost them the division. They, you know, they won a couple more games there in that game instead of yep. the Jags. And who knows what happens? Maybe the Chargers are going to Kansas City. Uh, and this entire playoff picture is completely different uh, than what it shaped up to be. But that didn't happen. And for Jacksonville, I mean, the future's bright. I mean, they found their franchise quarterback, like I mentioned. They have a good head coach. They have young playmakers. It's just about solidifying the areas, you know, maybe go out, get a bigger name. But it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe bolster up the secondary a little bit, splurge at linebacker. It's going to be interesting to see what this front office does. They're in a good spot. And I, I like this team for the future. I Buy do. stock in Jacksonville for future investments. If you're looking at a team, it's just like, wow, this team could be good for the next couple of years. Jacksonville's definitely a candidate uh, for in that in that conversation, uh, but we're gonna get to the flip side of Kansas City and you know some of the more in depth parts of this game in just a minute. But we do have a message from the KR Notebook. Attention, KU community! Join OSI for the spring semester involvement fair on Thursday, February second, from four to seven p.m. in McFarland Student Union Room two eighteen. OSI is welcoming students back to campus and encouraging you to get involved with a student organization at Kutztown University. Many amazing student clubs will have tables with information about their events, meeting times, and how you can join them. Speak to club members about their experiences and find out why being involved at KU is one of the best experiences you can have. For questions regarding the involvement fair, please contact OSI at involvement at kutztown.edu. We hope to see you there. Once again, that email is at involvement at kutztown.edu. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Welcome back to Happy Years, everybody. Jack, I'm joined by, as always... The beautiful the lovely, Mitchell Smedley. The lovely <laughs> Mitchell Smedley, and he has plenty of reasons to be excited, especially what happened in 2022 with his favorite sports teams. But going into 2023 we'll as well, we will get there momentarily. But we talked about why the Jags are such an intriguing team. Yeah. One more young thought on roster, them, by the way. And a very experienced head coach, but go ahead. Yeah, Mitch. sorry. No, what you said was absolutely right. Uh, and and I think um, this, this is where, you know, you have to 
pump the brakes a little bit, though, Jack. Jack's like, buy stock in the Jags. Buy stock in the Jags. I agree to an extent, though. Here's my I'm problem. not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, no, but they're, not, they're a team I, that I'm not has plenty of reason either. to be excited. Yeah, they, they do have plenty of reason to be excited. This is where the rubber meets the road, though. I mean, you proved that you have something here, right? You don't have to keep blowing it up, rebuilding, rebuilding. This is a foundation you can build off if you're the front office, but you have to... I mean, well, I, I think the first step would not be giving $80 million to Christian Kirk. I don't think he's that guy. Uh, I, I def- This brings me to my first point. I mean, he played well, though. He played well, but I think he would be successful as a, as a two. I think they need to get a, a higher-end wide receiver, uh, whether that be drafted, free agent, trade. Uh, they have to do that. I, in my opinion, that would be a big goal in the offseason. Uh, imagine how good Trevor Lawrence can be with a bona fide number one receiver, which I don't think Christian Kirk is. Because you got, who is it, Kirk? Zay Jones, who else am I missing on the... Uh, Marvin Jones, Marvin yeah, Jamal Jones. Agnew's kind of a gadget guy. But, I mean, if you look at Kirk's stats, 84 receptions for 1,100 yards. You know That 1,100 yards, top 15 in receiving yards in the league. Eight touchdowns, that's top 15 in the league also. Averaging 13 yards a catch, that's top 30 in the league amongst receivers. So, I mean, those are good ranks. I mean, it, it was a breakout type of year for Kirk, but it clearly seems that Lawrence and Kirk have some type of connection. I don't yep. expect that to go away. I mean... You know, you could say the contract's a little bit of an overpay, but it, it was clearly a mesh fit. I mean, Kirk yes. fits in the Jacksonville scheme, and they find a way to get this guy open and get him good looks you know, consistently. So, yep. I mean, I like that Kirk deal. Do I think he's a true number one receiver? Not really, but he's taking steps forward to solidify himself really good in that number two conversation. I agree. Yep. Go out, get another big-time playmaker that would really take this offense uh, to new heights, in my opinion. Yeah, playmaker on offense, I would say, and then bonify the uh, the defense a little bit more because, like you said, that's what they, they rode to this to this playoff, I'd call it a run, right? A little yeah. playoff run. I mean, they, they surged late in the playoff season. Playoff jog. Took the, you know, took the division from Tennessee on the final game of the year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, they came back in historic fashion, third largest playoff coming. By the way, I said the Chiefs over the Colts earlier. For the second, it was the inverse. It's the Colts over the Chiefs. Ooh. It was uh, in Indianapolis. Remember that Andrew Luck erased a 28-point deficit, yeah. and they stormed back to take down the Chiefs in the wild card round that year, I believe. Yep. So, so very important offseason for the Jags. Moving over like you wanted to, sorry, uh, a couple minutes ago. That's okay. It's It seems like no matter what they do in the offseason, it never fails. This is the Kansas City Chiefs back in the AFC Championship again uh, after knocking off the Jacksonville Jaguars. Surprise, um, surprise. Yeah. Mahomes and Chiefs uh, roll to the championship game. Big so. shock. It's kind, of, it's kind of what you expect from this team at this point. You know, If anything less than a conference championship appearance is kind of disappointing for the Chiefs. I mean, that that's the level of expectations that you have with this organization. And, you know... Year after year, you know, your price Tyree Kill, the questions coming into the season, were this, was this offense going to be as explosive? And you know, Travis Kelsey's still that guy at tight end. He's uh, incredible. One of the best tight ends of all time. And, you know, maybe you could have that discussion. Maybe he is the best. I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to go quite there yet, but he's certainly in that conversation. And, you know, I believe eight consecutive 1,000-plus receiving yard seasons. I mean, what hasn't this guy done? Outside of breaking Gronk's tight, uh, touchdowns in a season by a tight end, I mean, it feels like Kelsey's done it all. And he's Mahomes' go-to guy. You know, I have Jarek McKinnon being a big-time guy in the pass-catching game out of the backfield. Isaiah Pacheco is a you know rookie running back with CEH going down. Maybe Pacheco's the guy there in the future. But Mahomes just finds a way to get it done, man. He's just so talented. The way they're able to scheme up plays and, you know, just get it out of his hands quickly and, and let him make the plays he needs to make, it's incredible. Uh, I don't really have much to talk about, you know, inside of the Chiefs in this game. I mean, they won 27-20. It was a gritty, grinded-out kind of effort. But you kind of expected the Chiefs to win this game. They were home, division around against an upcoming Jacksonville team. And, yeah, Chiefs are going to the championship game. We'll talk about them uh, against the Bengals in a little bit. But 
Mitch, any last thoughts on the Chiefs before we move on? I do. I uh, I'm ready to say that the uh, the Chiefs is the new uh, the new dynasty in the AFC. They've replaced the Patriots. Uh, I was thinking that quite seamlessly, I'd say. And and I was waiting. I know they won their Super Bowl. I know they got to a couple of AFC Championship games. But my problem with the Chiefs was that it always seemed one sided. It, it didn't seem sustainable in that they had these playmakers in their prime years on offense. Right, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, right. And uh, and I thought once that went away, they're not going to be able to put up points. Their defense is weak. Like they were in a lot of shootouts over the years, over the past five years, yep. right? And this Chiefs defense, I don't have the exact stats on them. They've been good, Jack. They've been really good, um, especially compared to other Chiefs defenses. Uh, and I'm really, uh, man, I'm, I'm in on the Chiefs. You know, one seed in the AFC. I think that's going to be a regular sight going forward. They, like you said, they replaced Tyreek Hill with, I mean, Juju Smith Schuster. Like that—that's the new guy, right? That apparently, that it just works. Who else? Uh, uh, who'd they bring in? Like yeah, MVS. MVS, right? You know, these are not these are not big name guys. You know, it's it's Mahomes and Kelsey and a bunch of guys around them. Which is that's how you build a sustainable team. You have your couple franchise guys, right? You have your uh, who's it? Chris Jones on defense. Yep. Um, you have those guys. I, I kind of put Budker in as a uh, a franchise guy there. Actually, he just comes There's to kicker, mind when I yeah. think of the Chiefs. He's got a big leg. <laughs> yeah, big leg. Um, but you just build around them, and you the the sign of a dynasty is that it, it doesn't matter who's playing, uh, it still works the same. And the Chiefs' offense looked exactly the same, cheetah inert or no cheetah this year, and uh, that's really impressive. And and you know that that speaks to the front office. It speaks to Coach Reed, um, and it speaks to Patrick Mahomes for being able to be a guy that people can play with. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he's okay. Uh, best of luck uh, next week. But, wow, th- this Chiefs team is here to stay. I, I, I'm calling them the new, the new Patriots, the, the new dynasty in the AFC. Then they got to win a couple more Super Bowls before I'm ready to crown them just yet. But they are the AFC power, and they are the team to beat year in and year out. And we'll talk about another AFC team that not a lot of people talk about. It. I don't know why, uh, even though they're in this conference championship game for yep. back-to-back years. Uh, We'll talk about them just a little bit. We're going to move on to the NFC briefly before our first break, and we'll keep this discussion going on after our break. We're going to talk about our two favorite teams, Mitchell. Oh, man, we met in a playoff game, Jack. Eagles route the Giants 38-7 down at the link on Saturday night. The Eagles kind of dictated the pace of play from the start to the end of the game. It was all Eagles early on, and they kept it that way. Jumped up to a 14-0 lead that turned into 28-0 before the Giants got a touchdown uh, from Matt Breida, and that's all they were able to muster up uh, in, in, in an ugly type of game. And the Eagles put their dominance on display early. You know, the game, you know, it's, it's a common saying that, you know, in the media, oh, well, you know, the game was won and lost in the trenches. But that's where this game really was won and lost. You saw the disparity on both sides. The Eagles offensive line versus the Giants defensive line and the Giants O-line versus the Eagles defensive line. Hassan Reddick's been a huge pickup oh, for this man. Eagles defense. Pro bowler, best year of his career. You know, he's just been so huge. He's built like an edge rusher, but he plays linebacker, and his hybrid style of play has just been so huge for this Eagles defense uh, and why they've been able to set the sack record as a team. Uh, the Giants' right side of the offense line just simply wasn't able to keep up. I mean, Reddick was getting there all, all night. I mean, Jones is under pressure constantly. And, look, this is a Giants offensive line that's taken steps in, in the past couple years. And they've, they looked a lot better this year, especially Andrew Thomas you know, on that left side. You have Feliciano and you mix guys into Gates. But you know, the right side of the line is taking steps. Evan Neal's a rookie. He's got to develop a little bit. He's a big guy. He's much better you know, run blocker than pass blocker. Uh, but for me, look, this Giants team overachieved. And despite getting blitzed 
on, on that in that Saturday night game. I'm so proud of what this team was able to accomplish this year with this roster, with really the lack of skill players in this team. They were able to go <laughs> to the divisional round and win a playoff game for the first time in a decade plus. Uh, so I tip my cap to what Brian Dable was able to do with this bunch. Uh, I have no doubt that the Giants will be able to get better as the as their calf space situation uh, get, gets a little better in the coming years. And I'm excited to see what they do in the draft, spend who they get, what they do, bring Saquon back, maybe Daniel Jones, they lock him up. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting offseason to decide the Giants' future here. But very. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit. I think I want to start with the Eagles just because of your excitement, Mitch. I think we got and a break coming up, right? We do. Yeah, so I'll, do. I'll hit the Eagles uh, and, and their kind of future on the other side. Jack's happy with his little overachieving season. Congratulations. Let the adults talk. <laughs> Well, look, you could say that, but you can't deny what the Giants did this year was no, I can't. something that no one drew up. Congratulations. You beat the team that—well, uh, I actually picked Minnesota, unfortunately. But you beat the team that everyone said you were going to beat. Um, I mean, we beat the frauds of the NFC. Yes. yes. All right. But. You had that call. Jack was right. I don't say this very often. Uh, Jack was absolutely right about the Minnesota frauds and, and all that narrative, right? That was— you hit that on the head. I did, and it benefited you with a, an appearance in the divisional round. So, and uh, but I mean, look, it is a good season. I don't think Daniel Jones is good. Um, Both I understand this game, that he by the did way, this. Are, uh, coach of the year finalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, why can't I think of his uh, Dable? Yeah, Dable. Dable and Sirianni. Um, yeah, Dable. I think most of this lies on his shoulders, right? This was a very good coach, well coached team. Yeah, uh, I don't think Jones is that good. Saquon's good, sure, but he's a running back, right? They don't have receivers. Uh, the defense is underwhelming, uh, has some interesting pieces, but you know, overall, this Giants team isn't loaded, right? Like this Eagles team is one of the most complete teams I've ever seen. Uh, the Giants were not, and it showed in the in the final score, right? We get that, but credit to Dable, um, credit to to Daniel Jones for you know pulling a, a good year together and uh yeah only we'll five see. interceptions yeah. you know throughout the course of the regular season that's a low number that's a very low number through so. one in the divisional game but you we know. will see what happens uh, to his former teammate James Bradbury yeah we um will. but we'll we'll see what happens uh over the offseason I'm uh, love to talk about it here and uh yeah, we'll get to the Eagles on the other side of the break, though. Yes, like Mitch said, he referenced our break. We are going to step aside for the first time today when we come back, further getting into Giants-Eagles, what implications this game had. Uh, you know, We talked a little about where the Giants could go from here. Uh, we're going to talk all things Eagles side of things on the flip side of this break, so don't oh, go anywhere. Cool. Plenty more NFL talk coming your way next. And welcome back to Heavy Years, everybody, here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KR Kutztown, Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley. We are back and right into the nitty-gritty of NFL talk. We were talking all things divisional weekend uh, with the Eagles and the Giants, the Saturday night routing uh, that Philadelphia put on to New York. It hurt. It hurt my soul a lot. Didn't it felt great. But, you're like, yeah, of course, because you're an it Eagles was fan. Of course it felt great. one of the highlights of my year. Yeah, well, later on the show, we're going to talk about something that makes us both feel great. And that's one of our division rivals losing yet again. Mm-hmm. The annual I tradition. Can't wait, but, it's so beautiful. But in due time, we will talk about the Eagles right now. Thirty-eight-seven was the final score. If you have been living under a rock, I think everyone in the state of Pennsylvania knows the final score of that game. Uh, in height of the excitement of the conference championship game being hosted in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, yes, at the link, they will welcome in the 49ers. We'll talk about them a little bit, but we got to get back to the Eagles here. Talked about the Giants side of things, where they could go in the offseason. For the Eagles, though, their season lives on a loaded roster, a lot of talent, and you saw the talent disparity between these two teams in this game. You saw the playmaker gap, uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith for the Eagles, along with Dallas Goddard getting involved. Compared to the Giants, Isaiah Hodgins and 
you know, Lawrence Cager, Richie James. I mean, look. Yeah, somehow that it, didn't scare me. There's a gap there. Yeah, somehow that doesn't put fear into opposing defenses unless you're Minnesota. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> how were they so bad? I just went for 100-plus yards and a touchdown in that See, the game weird against thing the Vikings. Is, but. The weird thing is Philly's strategy was partly Minnesota's strategy, which was throw it to the tight end a lot. You know, they threw to uh, Hawkinson a lot. We threw to, uh, to Goddard a lot. Just worked for us because Goddard's better and Hertz is better and our offensive line is better. My goodness, like it was a good win for the Giants, but this also was... your defense could get off the field in that. In, oh, in I, I don't game. remember ever couldn't. seeing my defense on the field except for the Bradbury pick. That was so. like, did we play defense? I wow, it was quite the it was quite the onslaught uh, that I was not expecting, and it makes me really nervous moving forward because like. The last win the Phillies got in the World Series was 7 nothing over the Astros. And I was like, this team cannot be touched. And then we lost three straight. And then they and, the, and, the, and that series was turned upside down. As Joe Davis likes to say. By the way, who was on the call for that division? He was. I loved it, man. I, he yeah, something about back. Joe Davis equaling Philly sports success. We now it does. We need to stop that. The soundtrack that to my right year now. right now. He was so. there for the Braves, Padres, and Astros series. Now he's there for Giants. And I think the NFC Championships on Fox is either going to be Davis or Kevin Burkhart. Yeah. Um, so we shall see. Uh, we shall. I love his voice, though. Uh, brief sign up, but the Eagles, man, have and, and look. I I said that the Chiefs, I think, have sustained success. I don't think this level of success is going to come easy to the Eagles over the coming years because you have so many, so many free agents. You could go down the list, right? Yes. Um, Reddit comes to mind. Uh, Bradbury comes to mind. CJGJ comes to mind. Right? There's a lot of. There's going to be a lot of turnover. There's going to be a lot of work for Howie Roseman uh, to do. Over this offseason. This is the year it has to happen. This feels to me, Jack, like a 2017 where everything just went right. All of his moves just win after win after win, right? Like C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Who thought he was going to be tied for the league leading interceptions missing six games, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Hassan Reddick, like you said, career year. Who thought he was going to be this good? I don't even – I lost track of how many sacks. It's like 16? Yeah. Something something like that. He's having a crazy year. Crazy year. Second only to Bosa, I believe. Um, this, this defensive line is just incredible. Broke the sack record. Uh, the offensive line. Who would have thought Lane Johnson is still able to come back, play, I think, every offensive snap. Look awesome, by the way. A- and who, man, thought when I was on the phone with my brother watching the draft in 2020 and at 53rd overall, Jalen Hurts was taken and I fell to the floor, slamming my hand on the hardwood, Cursing Howie Roseman's name. Who would have thought that this quarterback here, Jalen Hurts, has not only the Eagles one game away from the Super Bowl, uh, from a previously unthinkable point, but who would have thought that this guy is not only the... He's the best combination, Jack, of running and passing in the league, okay? Uh, You know, Mahomes is good. At, at throwing the ball or running the ball, I so he's better than Josh throwing Allen. Throwing the ball, he, yes, he's better than Josh Allen. Mahomes is good at throwing it. Lamar's good at running it. Hurts is better than both of them. Hurts, Hurts is playing, and I, I hate to say this because I so will, this will th- be the so, single okay, biggest okay. wrong thing about before me. you before you say this. Yes. I want to get this straight. He's a better runner than Lamar Jackson. He's you think a he's a better all around quarterback than both Mahomes and Allen? I, I yeah, this year yes. <sighs> Career no. Woo! Career no. 
Whoa, we're getting spicy within the first episode. Back How did Josh Sports. Allen play this weekend? Not you very well. It wasn't Josh Allen's fault they lost. I know, but my point so, is, I mean, it, you know, one one guy can't take a team. It's kind of what the Bills forced Josh Allen to do. Yeah. Just saying. They got, they got playmakers, but, you know, we'll talk about them a little bit, but one man can't do it himself. Jalen Hurts has plenty of help around him. Not saying that, not saying that Allen doesn't, uh, but, you know, I think the Eagles yeah. think the Eagles playmakers all around are just better than the Bills. But. I think Hurts had uh, a couple games, what was it, toward like toward the end where he had, like, two picks or whatever in yeah. like, two straight games, right? But Before that, he had, like, two or three the entire yeah, season. Yeah, three the entire season. It was incredible. So. He's dropping passes. In. And, by the way, some of those picks aren't even his fault because Quez Watkins is a terrible receiver, and the coaching staff finally realized it this weekend. Um, and I understand that he's throwing throwing to very good receivers, but allow me to just bask in this a little bit because I had to watch years of Carson Wentz overthrowing wide-open Nelson Aguilar's by 10 yards. Oh, I get it. Hurts has got to make the throws. You've seen plenty of quarterbacks who are good playmakers who just cannot make the throws. Right, and he's doing that. He's doing it. In the short range, he's doing it downfield. He's moving around. Like, that shoulder looked absolutely fine, and that was the only thing I was worried about this uh, this past weekend was if Hurts can can be good enough to beat the Giants, which even if he wasn't, I think the Eagles would have won that game. I mean, you saw that it was 31 points. Is Jalen Hurts worth 31 points? He could be. Right, he could be. I don't think I don't think anyone's worth 31 points in a football game, but Jalen Jalen Hurts is the closest thing to it. Um, I mean, it pains me to say, but I mean, the Eagles are going to have to stick with this guy. Uh, they're going to have to give him a big contract, uh, especially if they win the Super Bowl. And look, I don't know if this is sustainable. I, I honestly don't. I worry about his health. I worry about the league catching up. But right now, the Eagles have something that the rest of the league does not have, this combination of incredible running, incredible passing, smart football. I mean, it's it's really, really special because I, I don't think this is a team carried by coaching. I don't like Gannon, Steichen, or Sirianni. I think all of them need to be fired. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll fired? Get, they'll get jobs somewhere else. Fired? Yeah. Uh, dude, You're in the NFC Championship game, my guy. Uh, look, I understand that, but I go back to the Saints Coaching game. Coaching plays a part, man. I, I go back to the Saints game. How many talented teams have you seen under underperform due a to lot. bad coaching? A lot. I'm not a big Sirianni guy in terms of just liking the guy, but you can coach. I, I don't understand what it is about Sirianni. That he makes just him gives off that kid. vibe that like you just don't like him if you're not an Eagles fan. I don't know. He, he gives off like, that vibe, that, that smug look. Like he just feels like he he's just kind of there. Like he, I feel like he's more of a fan that just has the the clipboard. Right, and he's like, "This is awesome, guys! Look at this." this he brings awesome. the energy, which is an Eagles fan I'd love. But it's good, but I'm I, not an Eagles fan. He and doesn't strike me as a great football mind. You know, I don't feel like he's the one that's going to invent new, new ways of offense. New, I don't know. I don't feel like he unlocks player potential or, or schemes things well. They had to remove him from pre, from play calling for crying out loud. But you know what? It worked. It worked. Well, yeah, it worked because he wasn't good at it. <laughs> that's it's it's it tough to be a head coach and an OC at the same time. Right. It's not easy. I don't. I don't care. I, I I think those are the good coaches. I don't think Sirianni is anything above average. I think he's fine. I would like someone smarter. I would like someone, you know, more involved. Uh, so if the Eagles lose on Sunday? If the Eagles lose on Sunday. No, I'm not going to fire Sirianni. Okay. He got us to an NFC championship okay. game. I would love, however, Just gauging if the your... Eagles lose on Sunday uh, in a, you know. Depends on the way. 27... 24 game to the San Francisco 49ers and the only reason they score 27 is because I see the Eagles corners in in Slay and Bradbury and everyone else playing off of Kittle by seven yards 
giving up six yards, eight yards, ten yards, four yards on every consecutive pass from Brock Purdy, and they just put together multiple long, time-consuming drives in a row with with little to no effort to to press and and to disrupt the plays and disrupt this young quarterback. I'm going to want Gannon fired. I don't like how he plays defense. Everyone's crying now that he's underrated. I don't care. I, I don't like his style of play call. Uh, I think he's blessed with one of the greatest offensive lines I've ever seen. Um, and I think that's what's contributed to the success this year. I think it's in spite of Gannon's play calls. Because I've watched years now of of Eagles playing off, giving up the underneath, giving up the underneath, giving up the... We're, yeah, you try and, you know, make them take long drives, force a mistake. Well, you're in the NFC Championship. All right, these are the teams that aren't going to make a mistake. I think it's possible with Purdy, right? You know, young rookie quarterback, not playing like a rookie, won 12 in a row. He's not making mistakes, Steve. So, or John. John Gannon? Yes. Yeah, I don't well, know. Who was I, was I thinking of? Who was I thinking of? I'm, I'm not sure. Steve but Bannon. we're going to, we're going to, I have one more quick point before we're going to move on. Yeah. Uh, we got other things to get to. Yes, uh, look, the Eagles sustained success this year, large part. They've been mostly healthy. Exactly. I mean, you see, you know, some injuries there with some key guys. I mean, you see Maddox is down. Yeah, Maddox is down. He's been out, but they looked just fine without him. I mean, I know he's a, he's a solid piece at secondary. They but, looked but awful they, without Hurts, but they filled in. And exactly. I mean, look, when your star quarterback goes down, it's tough. Even if you have a quality backup, and some would say Gardner Minshew, uh, some would say he's a starter quality quarterback. I'm not sure I'm in that camp. But, I am not. But I mean, key guy like Lane Johnson though. That Lane was Johnson. Big. That was a big point of worry for yes. me coming into this weekend. And if he's healthy, that's so. It's so huge. I mean, this offensive line is just so good. I got my Kelsey jersey for Christmas. I love that man. Uh, Lane Johnson is the best tackle in football. Uh, Jordan Mailata is just I've, – I've never seen growth like that. From a seventh-round, you know, rugby player, didn't even know how to play football, and uh, just Stoutland University, uh, as he says on his intro, and now look at him. He's a fantastic left tackle. Um, this offensive line is just impressive. It's it's been impressive. It it's what this team was founded on, and uh, and it continues to this day over a decade later. All right. Well, we will move on. We'll talk a little bit more about the Eagles later in our preview of Championship Weekend. We're going to go to the AFC side of things yet again. We're going to go back there. Bills Bengals meeting in the early game on Sunday afternoon. It was a snowy game a little bit. You saw a little snowfall accumulate up in New York and Buffalo at Highmark Stadium, and the Bills fall again. 27-10, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, back-to-back trips to the AFC Championship game. And as an AFC power, I feel like no one talks about the Bengals. I, I really don't yeah. know why. I mean, this group has been so impressive over the last couple of years. I mean, they, they've been the three seed both years. And, you know, they go out. No, they were the four seed last year. Pardon me. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I think so. Because they played the Raiders, who were the five? Makes sense, yeah. And then they went to play Tennessee. Tennessee was the one, yep. because then it was the Chiefs and the Bills who were the two and the three. Gotcha. So, yep. And then they beat the Chiefs. Yes, they did. So I have uh, a very hot take, by the way, about the Bills. Yeah, we will, we will talk about the Bills in just a minute. But we got to congratulate the Bengals. We talk about the winners first here, and you know, Cincy. <sighs> Joe Burrow is that guy, man. He's very good. He's a very good quarterback. Jamar Chase, the receiving core they have. You know, there were questions about this offensive line early in the year, and they were definitely, definitely rational. But, man, they figured it out. Th- this offensive line has figured it out. Burrow's gotten time. He just looks calm, cool, and collected, man. And it feels like nothing rattles this guy. He's got that mojo. He's got that swag. 
I mean, I th- you know, there was no chance he would lose that game. Did you see that pregame video where they, you know, videoed Burrow? He just looked at the camera and just casually tossed a warm-up pass on the sideline one of his receivers, man. <laughs> he just looks so ready. He's got that moxie, you know, of a playoff quarterback who's, you know, capable of going many Super Bowl runs. The Bengals are definitely going to give that man a long-term extension. Uh, does the Ohio kid uh, playing for one of his home state teams. How does everyone that doesn't watch football know Joe Burrow? Because he's just got that, <laughs> he's just got that, you know, temperament about him, man. He's just got that likable guy kind of vibe. So, yeah, man, he's, what's he's been able to do? It's been incredible. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Bengals a little bit more because they're playing the AFC Championship game. We'll, we'll save some of this. I really want to hammer home Buffalo. Here. I want to I hammer home Because Buffalo, yep. another disappointing year ends, barring, you know, they, they had defensive injuries. You know, they were without Von Miller. They were without Micah Hyde. Obviously, what happened to DeMar Hamlin, everyone knows that situation. Yes. They had some key back-end injuries, you know, especially really all throughout the defense. But, but... It doesn't take away from how much talent this offense has. You got Josh Allen. You got Stephon Diggs. Dawson Knox is a tight end who's not an elite tight end, but he's a guy who can make an impact on a game. Gabe Davis is a very good receiver. I'll dispute that in a minute. But um, I, I, I think he's very good. I like him. A very good two, at least. Yeah. I, Fine. Dispute that. About, I don't care. I, I Look, I don't know. I think they need someone else there. I really do. I don't, I don't think Gabe Davis, he's too up and down. You need more consistency. He's not the best guy who could compliment Diggs. You could definitely get someone better. It's just my opinion. Yeah, no. Diggs is an valid. all-around receiver. It's valid. If you got another guy who's like, think, think about think about what the Bengals have. Okay. Chase Mark and Higgins. Chase. Yeah, Higgins. Higgins is infinitely better in my mind than Gabe Davis because he's much more consistent yeah, but when Diggs he plays. Is, Diggs is much better than Jamar Chase in my opinion. Oh, I wouldn't say much better. I would. It's a conversation. Both are very good. I'm taking digs, but it's a it's a it's a conversation you can most most certainly have. But anyway, look. I know where saying. do the Bills the, the go two from here? On the on the Bengals, is my question for the Bills. Bills: Where do they go from here? They they're tied up in cap space. They're 21st in the league in cap space. Their offensive line isn't great. The defense we've seen it struggle at times. I think you. Have I mean, to. where do you go? I look. Maybe this is what just because I'm an Eagles fan, and that's what I've always said is like the first thing you have to look at. But you have the quarterback, you have the receivers, right? You got the playmakers. You have to build up your trenches if you're Buffalo. You need to get the offensive line, not just you got to do that okay. to the draft because they don't have a lot of cap right. space. You need to learn to draft linemen. You need to learn to draft offensive. I think defensive. You need to build a pass rush, right? You can't all be reliant on Von Miller, right? He's old, anyways. You know what else they need to do? What? Get rid of Gabe Davis. Get a running back. Oh, yeah. I uh, like James uh, Cook. Look, I, I think like Cook, could but be there's the going to be running backs on the market. Miles Sanders could be up to Buffalo. You know who I think I'd be a great fit for the Bills? Saquon Barkley. Josh Jacobs. That would be insane, I, dude. I, I thought rough about that. physical guy I thought about that. physical Think team. about that. You have two physical runners. You have Josh Allen, who just doesn't care. He yeah. throws his body around like, pfft, Talk about doesn't care. care. He's Jacobs, a huge guy. The only thing Jacobs cares is Jay, and he causing wants to the win. most damage. He yeah. wants to win. He, he's yeah. shown displeasure with the Raiders. Man, I'm tired of losing. Jacobs, you want to win? Go up to Buffalo, man. I'd go up to Buffalo, Josh. Those fans would rally behind you. Yeah, they would love you. The this, the physical downhill style. It's just he he runs the football mean. Uh, yeah, I'm he's a, a mean running back. He had a great season this year. He'll run it down your throat. He'll go between the tackles. He'll fight for those extra yards, and, and he can be dangerous when he gets in the open field as well. I think Josh Jacobs will be a great yard fit. Walk off touchdown run. Yeah, yeah, for, for the Bills. I think it'd be a great signing. I think they need to go out and get it, get it done. I think that'd be huge. That offense. That'd be impressive. But we do have to step aside yet again. For our second break of hour number one, when we come back, further getting into the Bills, what they need to do going into next season, how they can gear up and how they can get over the hump uh, because they can't beat the Bengals or the Chiefs, all that and more 
coming your way next here on Heavy Hitters. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, not forgetting to bring us in this time, right alongside Jack Heim. We're talking Bills, Bengals, AFC Divisional Divisional. Round. Yeah, I don't know why this is. This is my first day back, Jack. Give me a break. Um... I have a lot to take on the Bills. Shake the rust. And this is going to ruffle some feathers. Okay. You want to shake the rust off, this will shake everything. Well, Um, you had some hot takes already, saying Hurts is better than Mahomes and Allen, fire Sirianni. Let's hear another. So we're going to get to... um, We're going to get to the Cowboys in a minute, right? Yeah. We are going to move along a little bit more quickly because you have to preview. So allow me to kind of jump the gun here. What round did they lose in last year? So the Bills in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, no, the the Cowboys. Oh, Cowboys? Yeah, Cowboys lost in the Divisional to the Niners? Or yes. was it? Yeah. Okay. Divisional this year, the Niners. Right. So, I'm going to I'm gonna weave a, a small town. This is just circumstantial. I don't have specific stat lines. I, I just got a feeling here, Jack. But I got two quarterbacks, uh, both in the Divisional round the last two years. Both lost, right? Oh, no. Don't, don't say what I'm... No. Both are considered very good quarterbacks. Don't sell oh my. Both are getting a lot of money. You're gonna go here? Oh, oh I am. My. Josh Allen is the AFC Dak Prescott. Neither one will live up to the potential. And I love Josh Allen. Don't get me wrong. But it has to happen. He has to take over a game at some point. He has to win the big game. And Josh Allen is not winning the big game. He has it for three years did now. They've been in the Did you see what this man did in the playoffs last year? I'm aware. Dak ain't I'm never. Aware. Dak has never played like that, my I man. I think he's got. Oh my I, I think goodness. he's more talented no. than Dak. I think he's more talented than Dak. No, please. But I think he's the closest comparison. This. Please stop this right now. I know it hurts you. Please stop this. I'm Tom having foolery. too much fun. Please stop this. This baloney. This garbage. They I mean, both I mean, are have you been blessed. Me? They both have been blessed with top end receivers. Uh... I think they've had good running games, right? I mean, Allen, especially when you factor in his legs, right? Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions this year, and he missed time. I'm aware. It, it was atrocious. Um, I just think— uh, I mean, this dude, Dak, Dak makes some passes. You, you know, you, you sit there and think, do you know what color uniform your team is wearing today, Dak? <laughs> I'm aware. I mean, you know, Josh Allen doesn't make those type of throws. I mean, yeah, sure, he overthrows his receivers sometimes, and, you know, that's not great, but— Josh Allen is a fantastic quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. Dak does not have the running element Josh Allen has. Josh Allen simply has taken over games before. He's won big games, not not necessarily all the I'm t- not in the playoffs. He's but untalented. I mean, Josh Allen. I mean, th- this guy can't do it alone. Is what I'm saying. He he he. He's, the Bills are asking him to do it alone. The Bills gave him Stephon Diggs. Gabe That's Davis, it. who's good. No, Gabe, Dawson Knox, who's Gabe good. Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is not. A number two receiver on a Super Bowl team. Oh my God! Why have the Bills not he made could it there? Be. Why have the Bills not made it there? You know, Nelson Aguilar was a number two receiver. Where was on Gabe a Super Davis Bowl in the team? playoffs this year? Please enlighten me. Where did he go? I'm blind. I couldn't see him. I don't. I don't see thirteen. You know, making big impact plays. <laughs> sure, was he fantastic in the Chiefs game last year? Absolutely. Yes, four touchdowns. And that game wasn't on the offense. It, it was on the is defense. Davis. Um, but Gabe Davis is such a streaky receiver. He's so dependent on the big play. That he's just not a great all-around receiver. I mean, he does not do well in the short and intermediate game. He's got to make his plays deep down the field. And, you know, it gives you a different look than Diggs, but he's not efficient enough. I'm sorry, he's just flat out not efficient enough. There's games where Gabe Davis is just disappearing. He's gone. He does not have an impact on the offense. 
you need someone else besides Diggs who can step up and be a consistent guy. I'm sorry. It just has to be the case. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm i not saying Gabe Davis is a bad receiver. He, he certainly has the tools to be a good receiver, and we've seen the flashes from him, but he's just not consistent. It, it's just the truth. He's flat out not consistent. We, we, I need to Dawson see more Knox is good. He is good. My friend's uh, brother named his son after him. He is good. Dawson Knox is a good tight end. But you know how tight ends are. They're very touchdown reliant, unless you're Kelsey or Kittle or, or, or Goddard stepping up. You know, there's only a, 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 you know, even maybe TJ Hawkins you throw in that conversation, not in the same tier as those three guys, but right below. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are like the four only tight ends I can think of that, you know, are just more than touchdown catchers. Those are guys who can go out and get, you know, get a couple hundred yards in a season. Go, go for 500 plus. Kelsey going for 1,000 plus every year. Kittle can do the same if he stays healthy. But I mean, for the Bills, it's the Josh Allen show, and they, they need to do more. This organization needs to do more. And I understand they had the, the, the defensive injuries. Mike Guy was out for the season, yep. they lost Von Miller for the season. We mentioned the DeMar Hamlin situation, how tragic that was. Yes. I'm glad to see he's doing much better. That is a great story, by the way. But, you know, Jordan Poyer's a free agent. One of their best DBs is a free agent. He might not be coming back. Oh, yeah. He might he might be gone. Jermaine Edmonds, linebacker. He might be gone. They're, they they might be losing defensive pieces upon uh, you know, among a defense that hasn't necessarily been great in the big games. I said it was going to ruffle some feathers, right? I knew it's it's not a popular take. You know and me. It's a wrong take, though. Do you know who? There's a difference between unpopular and just flat out wrong. No, there's not. Yes, there is. Do you know who picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl this year? It was me. I picked them. I believed. But I, I believe too because I like Josh Allen and I like the Bills. I allow me to have an overreaction, potentially. But Josh Allen cannot and will continue to not win the big game. So you think it's Josh Allen's fault that they've not been winning? Um, answer me that question. There's a lot of blame. I think some of it is on him. If I need a quarterback to go get me a drive, right? I Allen mean, can I most have certainly to have do a drive. It. He can. Does he? He did it. A he couple did it last times. year. Yeah, he did it last year. All throughout the divisional game against the Chiefs, came down to a coin flip. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But I realize he definitely let a couple, you know, many big drives. I know, like two or so, three, two or three. I mean. You know, I I think Mahomes is better. I think Burrow's better, um, and that's just in the. I mean, Herbert is kind of falling off. Um, I wouldn't say he's falling off. He was not the reason the Chargers lost that game. No, I don't know. Speaking of the Chargers receivers, I think they're not great either. But that's that's diff- that's, 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 that's a really weird one, right? Because he has the playmakers, right? He's got the Eckler, he's got the Williams, the Allen. They don't. Have I understand speed Williams team, was though, hurt, but, but what did you say? They don't really have speeding, speedy uh, playmakers on that Chargers team, but that's a different discussion. Yeah, we, we got to move on here. Discussion. I will just let that uh, matriculate, simmer. Yeah, I'll let it simmer over the next year or two. And when the Bills keep losing divisional games, I'm not saying the Bills are going to the Super Bowl, but I'm no. not saying it's Josh Allen's fault either. I, that's that's the there's two parallels there, and it you know it's Bills not being a Super Bowl contender, Josh Allen's fault. Where do you fall in between? I'm not on either side. I think the Bills can most certainly be a Super Bowl contender, but they got to change some things. They do. They have to make changes because what they've been doing for the past couple of years hasn't been working. Would you rather have... Maybe you look at Sean McDermott going. I know that's kind of maybe a hot take, but at some point, at what point would you say... That's a hot take. I just said Josh Allen was Dak Prescott. <laughs> I think you're okay. Um, but would you rather have Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, whatever, and uh, Isaiah Pacheco or, or the Bills' weapons? I would take the Bills' weapons. I think the Bills have better offensive weapons. Kelsey's better than any than the playmaker Chiefs. the Bills. Have. I understand that. Well, Diggs is very Diggs. good. He's better than Diggs. I'm sorry. Pound for pound, probably. 
But I think overall, I don't think Dawson Knox is any slouch. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is not very good. Overall, and I, and I think the— But you know the, what? The Chiefs find a way to make it work. Because Patrick Mahomes finds a way to make it work. They win because of Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. I need to see and Mahomes is better than, right. and, than Allen. I'm and, not going to dispute that. And I'm not saying the Bills are losing because of Josh Allen. I'm saying I'm saying they're not. What they're not doing is winning because of Josh Allen. I want to see them win because of Josh Allen. And they had a chance to do that last year. It didn't happen, right? But all the other years, this year, um, did they lose to Houston like a few years ago, 2019, 2020? They the did. Play? That was the yeah. first year of Allen. First year of Allen, right? I get it, rookie. You know, in the playoffs, good job. And they blew a sixteen nothing lead. Yeah, that's so. that's a problem. But so. Allen, did, that was Allen's first year, and he looked, you know, he looked, looked like a promising. rookie. The, he looked like a rookie in the second half of the game. He did yeah. not play well. Looked promising. But he's taken a lot didn't. of strides since then. But we do have to take a yes. quick break for that's our, my hot take or a notebook message uh, before we get back to our NFL discussion here in hour number one. Attention, KU community, join OSI and KUAB for a fun Valentine's Day themed make and take on Valentine's Day. Tuesday, February 14th at 11 a.m. in McFarland Student Union Room 218. Stuff a special candy heart pillow with unique messages for yourself, a friend, or someone you like for Valentine's Day. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR, we are back. We're going to move on. Cowboys 49ers, real quick, talking about this one. Yes. Before we move into our predictions for Conference Championship Weekend. Jack, Um, I want you to say it with me. How about about them Cowboys? Cowboys? (laughs) <laughs> oh, what happened, Cowboys fans? Oh, was this this was supposed to be the this year, is right? This year, like it is every year. The Cowboys cycle is just so you know so funny to me. That's start what I'm start, it's start into the, the season, cycle. start the season, win a couple games, get some hype, Super Bowl contenders. This is our year, losing the playoffs, and it just happens over and over again every year. It's the Cowboys cycle. What made everyone think this was a Super Bowl caliber team? Did, did Dak Prescott throwing fourteen interceptions make you think it? Did it? Didn't make me think it, Jack. Not no, not me either. Sorry, the obviously isn't good enough. Dak, most overpaid quarterback in the league, most overrated quarterback in the league. Now people we have to come pe- in and people hear. saying that's Kirk Cousins. No, it's Dak Prescott. We have to hear Josh now. All the it's time Dak Prescott. Say, say Cooper Rush is better. And <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. Don't even. It say seems that less ridiculous now. I'm it's be it's you know it's they went undefeated. With it, it's ridiculous. No, they didn't. They lost the Eagles. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. One of I'm sorry. I, I just lose track of how many wins we've had. I'm sorry. So many. Dak is a bad quarterback. No, not bad. Bad is the wrong word. Overrated. Overrated He's compared mid. compared to what he has been placed at. He he is a a a decent quarterback. He is a top fifteen quarterback for sure. You think? Oh, I stop think so. that. If no, you, he's not. If you look at the stats of the Cowboys' offensive efficiency. Led the efficiency, league in interceptions. I get that. But if you look at the Cowboys' offensive efficiency with Dak at the helm compared to Cooper Rush, it's night and day difference. It's night and day difference. I mean, it's not even a discussion. You can't even have that conversation with me rationally. I know. Because I won't listen to you. No, I, I think Cooper Rush is trash. He, I mean, he's not good. No. Skip Bayless might think he's a starting caliber quarterback. I don't. He's a game manager quarterback. It's what he is. Yes. He can manage the game. He's not going to make a, a, a lot of mistakes, but he's not going to do anything special to get you over the helm and win you that game. He's just not. At least Dak has that chance. Like a is he going to do it? Chance. Probably not, but he has the capabilities to do it. But anyway, it's just it's just so funny that they lose in the same exact way the oh, yeah. two years in a row to the 49ers with yeah. bad clock management on a dumb looking play. I mean, what was that fourth down play call? I don't put know. Zeke at center. I don't. What know. did you expect? You have a defensive lineman barreling down, barreling towards him. Of course he's going to get trucked. He's a running back. I. I don't have any answer for you on. I mean, that. I mean, what is? I mean, that honestly, if that doesn't define the Cowboys' playoffs, 
for the past 20 years, I don't know what does. Yeah. I really don't. The, yeah. the Dak misplay last year. There, there's so many examples. It's just dysfunction. Yeah. Do you know how excited I was for that first extra point attempt by Maher? Oh, and when it goodness. got blocked. That was so funny. Me and two of my roommates. Honestly, were probably the one game. of the most anticipated extra points in recent history. For good reason. We like I was like looking for something. I was like, you know, looking for like a Chargers. I ran over to the TV to watch that, and he did not disappoint. It got blocked. It would have missed anyway, by the way. But it got blocked. And we I've never screamed that loud for an extra point with with my friends like ever. So that was that was fun. It provided us with that. But, I mean, just the dysfunction all throughout the year, right? Like, Cowboys just, sure, they, they won some games. They I mean, in a game where you have a chance to uh, fight back toward the division if the Eagles lose to the Giants with an injured Hurts, right? Mm-hmm. And they lose to the Commanders. Come on. And it, it was embarrassing, too. It was not close. Well, they got blitzed. Yeah. In Sam Howell's first NFL start. Yeah. That's that's embarrassing. And they got trounced. It I mean, that like, wasn't even a game. Well, it was like twenty six to like seven or something. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a route. Yeah, it was not close. Um, and Washington had nothing to play for. They yeah. were out of the playoffs. Yeah, and they, they came just wanted in, to get their rookie and potential future quarterbacks some game action. They came in. They beat. And they beat you badly. Tampa, they beat Tampa well, um, and then it, it all unraveled. I, look, I, I was talking to Jack about this. Brock Purdy did not look good in that game for the Niners. Uh, Cowboys, what he, did, he needed to do. He put up 19 points, and the Cowboys couldn't beat 19 rookie quarterback points. Come on, you got Micah Parsons, which is supposed to be this menace that couldn't couldn't stop a, a rookie quarterback. He, uh, Trayvon Diggs didn't he have a ball like in his hands that he just dropped? Like that's why you're on the field is to pick footballs. Um, you know, obviously the Pollard injury hurt, but. I mean, Zeke is just disgusting. He's not a good running back. No, Tony Pollard's much better. And he's an even worse center. Um, man, uh, any way you look around, like, I mean, are the receivers, are the receivers? You got CeeDee Lamb in that too? Lamb, right? I mean, Gallup where, sucks. where, I mean, where are the playmakers of this team? Not, Outside of CeeDee. It's not Dalton Schultz. I mean, I, I would have said Zeke. I mean, Dude, Pollard. Couldn't even, Dalton Schultz couldn't even make a sideline catch in the final minute of the game. Yeah. He was too complacent to put his right yeah, foot on the ground. Yeah, he didn't put his foot on the ground. Come on. He had one basic. foot in, dragged the right foot over in the air, and stepped out of bounds, and even, not even getting it down in bounds. I mean, what is that? Yeah. How do you do that? It's disgusting. It's Your team needs those team. yards. You have to make sure you get both feet down before you even think about going out of bounds. What do you uh, What do you target in the offseason if you're the Cowboys? <sighs> Oof. Everything. New head coach, that ain't happening. McCarthy's staying around. New owner. Jones locked up his, you know, said he, his job's secure. Um, where do you go? You're not getting rid of Dak. You paid him all that money. No one's taking that contract. That's so unfortunate for them. Pollard's going to be back. They got to keep him around. He's a really good back. CeeDee Lamb, you got to get another playmaker, I think, on offense, especially in the draft. Got to draft another receiver. And they were so down bad, they brought in T.Y. Hilton in the middle of the season. Yeah, as a free agent who had a fifty-yard catch on. The I mean, third granted, he 30. had a big, had a really big play against the Eagles. That'll he's had big play. I feel like every time I turn on the TV and watch the Cowboys over the last, and month, I'm not saying T. Y. Hilton's a bad receiver, but like he's a three. Twelve win teams shouldn't be signing receivers in free agency in the middle of the year, right? If you have serious deep playoff run slash Super Bowl aspirations. So the way I see it, it just is shouldn't be the happening. Cowboys have a one and two threes. They have uh, C.D. Lamb and then Gallup, I think, is a three, and T.Y. Hilton, I think, is a three. Yeah. They need Get that someone to compliment, compliment Lamb, and that offense can go even better than like they are. Like when they had Cooper, right? Exactly. So I think that was a terrible trade. I mean, why would you do that? What'd they get in return? I forget. Fourth-round pick? Oh, man. I mean, that was, they got, they got scraps for Amari Cooper. That is disgusting. They got nothing. We'll see who they get, you know? Some it might not even have been a fourth. Player. 
I, I don't. I'm not even sure. That's it was awful. a mid round draft pick. It that's was so terrible awful. trade. It was a terrible trade. I love it. That's that's the best thing I've heard all day. Uh, defense. Well, I mean, are you bolstering your secondary? I don't know. Trayvon Diggs is falling. Defense didn't play bad. Doesn't play bad, but he's not the he's not the game wrecker he used to be. No, but again, interceptions aren't everything, and I yeah. think he's starting to take a step back. Yeah, uh, as, you know, he he's a ball hawk type corner. Jumps routes, gets picks, makes you know the the big time plays, but he can also get cooked. I think he's starting to you know dial it down a little bit, play a little bit more safe, you know, take the chance for interceptions when they arise, but not every time, and not let the big plays get behind you. Well, Mitch, yeah. As much as we love dumping on the Cowboys, because yeah, it is fun, team and they make it accessible, it, it's they make so it possible. easy. It's so easy to do it. So many ways. Haven't so made many a conference mishaps. game in how long? Ninety-five. Hey Dallas, the last time you were in a Super Bowl, these draft picks weren't born. David Akers. David Akers. You just got roasted by a kicker. <laughs> how about that? Well, we're gonna step aside. We'll talk about the hourly Niners. break. When we come back, we are going to preview all things conference championship week. Uh, after that, we got some MLB tidbits, and then to wrap up the show, we have a little college hoops talk. As March Madness Selection Sunday, less than fifty days Man. away, it is here, folks. It's it is be- coming up quickly, so don't go anywhere. Plenty more coming your way next here on Heavy Hitters in hour number two. Stay tuned. Is hour number two Heavy Hitters ten a.m. on the East Coast? Think ten, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting used to this new time. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim, We're on back. heavy hitters. We are back and better than ever. Don't forget it. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is heavy hitters. We're running through NFL playoffs, divisional round recap. We're going to start previewing these conference title games. Then we got MLB off season to discuss, and then we will get into some college hoops with Jack's take on all that. Coming up though, first. Those NFL uh, recaps, we were talking Niners and how about them Cowboys. Uh, they uh, they are out, and they are done once again. It's it's a yearly tradition. The Niners, though, Brock Purdy, uh, rookie quarterback, sensation. Third string at the beginning of the season, Mr. Irrelevant, is now taking the 49ers to the NFC Championship game where they will meet the one and only Philadelphia Eagles. I got the hat rocking today, right? Going to have... You do. Some shirts or jerseys as the week progresses, but uh, just a hat today because it's cold and I don't want to, you know, don't want to be showing off, you know, short sleeves or anything, right? You know, just keeping it chill, right, Jack? Yeah, keeping it chill, so, just like the weather. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the game, tempering my expectations. 49ers are a tough team. Let's talk about it. They got a lot of playmakers. They got Christian McCaffrey. They got George Kittle. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk, right? A lot of playmakers on offense. Most of that hinging around. Brock Purdy, who I think is the weak link on this team. Uh, and then you got a, a defensive line that everyone hypes up as, as incredible. I mean, you got Nick Bosa. Uh, Bosa had 18 and a half sacks, but the next uh, next highest guy, Jack, only had five. So is it really that good of a defensive line? The, the Eagles had four guys with over 10. Um, secondary, what's. I, why am I blanking on the entire Niners secondary right now? I just watched the game. Um,. But they they've been good, right? They're a good secondary. They, they, this whole Niners defense is is the top unit in the in the league. Uh, the, the Eagles are number two, though. Don't forget that. Uh, Eagles have some playmakers of their own. Uh, I'm looking at AJ Brown, looking at Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts. I think is the major advantage in this game for the Eagles. Jack, we were kind of talking about this at our meeting yesterday, but um, you know, obviously tight end, right? Goddard's good. Kittle's better. Uh, running back Sanders is good. McCaffrey's better. 
Those are the two big advantages, though, that I see for the uh, for the Niners elsewhere. I mean, where do the Niners stack up compared to the Eagles? Where do the Eagles stack up compared to the Niners? You know, how do you see this uh, this matchup game going in the NFC Championship? Because you think there's some matchups that the Niners can take advantage of. I do, and look, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dogfight. This is the best possible matchup we could have drawn up, not just because they're the number one and number two seeds, but I think it's cause just just because they're the most evenly matched teams in the conference. I mean, if there's anyone who's going to be able to push the Eagles, it's San Francisco. They're they're the most equipped to do so. I'm going to dispute your point about Brock Purdy. I don't know if he's a weak link. I, I really don't. He's played well. Yeah, has he lit? You know, has he lit the world on fire? Not not in the last couple games, but I tell you what, he's done enough to get him by, and he. Did play quite well against Seattle. Played you know, very well against Seattle you know, had after a, the first half. Yeah, first half wasn't great, but he settled in uh, and got comfortable, and he played well. He, he, he played really well. Did he, did he play great against Dallas? No, but he did what he needed to do. He didn't throw a touchdown, but he also didn't turn the ball over. And, and that's exactly what you need out of your quarterback. If he's not going to you know, light the world on fire for four-plus touchdowns, you need him to not turn the ball over if, he, if he's not going to throw a pass and touchdown. It's exactly what Brock Purdy does. You know, he, he's a smart quarterback. He's fitting into the system well, and, man, he does not. Look, like he's a rookie out there. He just looks so comfortable, man. He hasn't lost. They won, what, 12, 12 straight games? Isn't that crazy? They were 2-3 and three to start the season. And they, they haven't lost since. That's just outrageous. Uh, finished, uh, what were they? Um, not 12-3, and three, right? Uh, what they was their final They were 3-4. and four. Oh, 3-4. and four. Okay, so they finished 13-4. and four. Uh, That's a very good record. And that, that you know, a lot of that... Was because of Purdy. I just look. Here's my thing. I I saw cracks last week. Um, Dallas did some good things defensively. They allowed they did. 19 points. That's winnable in a playoff game. Very much so. Right. You score three touchdowns. Boom. You're moving on. Um, here's the here's the thing. Like they they stuffed McCaffrey. I I understand he had the touchdown. It was like a one or two yard touchdown run. But other than that, McCaffrey didn't get loose. Right. And, and Purdy was—you said he didn't throw a touchdown. He, he was not working the ball up and down the field. They had one touchdown drive. Uh, other than that, it was all Robbie Gould. Um, I think the Eagles have a better defense than than Dallas, especially on the defensive line uh, and the secondary. Right, your linebackers aren't—you uh, know—the middle of that defense. Sure, there's some wiggle room, and and that's kind of the matchup you pointed out to me yesterday, which you have a point. Uh, but I think for the most part, the Eagles' defense is better than Dallas, uh, pretty exclusively. I just think they're going to push Purdy harder. I think Philly. I mean, that game was in Santa Clara. This game's in Philly. This game is going to be loud. It is going to be raucous. It is going to rock Purdy to his core. Um, was it Steichen? I think that said when he when he was a part of the Minnesota coaching staff, uh, and they went to the NFC Championship there uh, in in Philly. I was at that game, by the way. I, I contributed to this. Uh, he said it was the most hostile environment he's ever played in. If there's look, if there's ever gonna be a quarterback's first loss, I think in Philly NFC Championship game against a, a, one of the most complete teams I've like we've seen here, I, I think that definitely adds up to yeah. I can understand why that would be the first loss for Purdy. I don't know, am I crazy, Jack, for thinking this is probably the breaking point for for Brock? No, you're not crazy. The Eagles are most certainly a good enough team to win this game. I have no doubt about that. I'm saying Brock Purdy could look pretty poor in this game. Uh, could. I, you know, two to three interceptions. Taking Hasn't like had a game like that, though, this four year. Four sacks, right? I just feel like this is that that moment where everyone goes, makes sense. You know, it makes sense. The Eagles are very good. He's a rookie quarterback. You know, great season. 
but it'll be the Eagles in the Super Bowl. That's that's just how I see this game going. You think if Purdy loses this game, he loses his starting job for next year? Oh, I think. Look, I'll put it this way. Uh, I I do actually. I I just do. Um, I think if he wins this game, he's won the starting job. That's how I would. So his I, future I in San Fran rides on this game. I would say so, because I mean, look, Trey. I'm Lance, not sure. Trey Lance was supposed to be the future of this team, right? I'm not sure that's the case. You're supposed to be, and look, you could make the argument that uh, sure it was because of Purdy and and he played very well, but you could make the argument that anyone could have won these games. I'm um, no, no. You could. No. Yes. Then Gardner Minshew wins these games. I, I shouldn't have said anyone. Anyone. Uh, the Cooper Rush. Any any of the any of the quarterbacks the Niners had. You could say that they're this good. They got, I don't know. They got I don't McCaffrey. know about that. Look, Trey Lance has never uh, played with I, Christian I McCaffrey. Don't, I, I don't. Why? I, I don't. I don't know if any quarterback is capable of winning these games. With, with what that do Sanford you hat. see in Purdy that's better than Trey Lance? And you know me. I'm not the biggest Trey Lance truther ever. Look at the connection that Brock Purdy and George Kittle had. Jimmy G and Trey Lance didn't have that with Kittle. Is it possible that that was coaching when when Jimmy G went down? It could be. And the coaches said, okay, be. we need a safety valve for this rookie quarterback so that he doesn't always get rocked. It's partly scheming, but it's also, you know, there's a, there's a thing. They're, the quarterbacks, you know, you feel comfortable throwing to a guy. You develop a reporter with a guy. That's what happens. I don't, I don't know how that happens so quickly with a third-string quarterback because they're not working together a lot in the offseason. They just aren't. Because Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy was supposed to be a third-string guy. Yeah. He's not working with the first. He's not throwing a kittle often. Well, uh, Trey Lance went down week one, right? Yes, and he was the backup. Yeah, he was the backup, got some reps in. Some, but not And not I, I just think it's a lot of scheming. I think they, the 49ers finally realized, oh, wait, we have George I Kittle. I, no, I get that. <laughs> I forgot. But they, it's not like they're limiting the playbook for this guy. And they got McCaffrey after Purdy came in. How many times you see a different quarterback so, come in, whether it be an injury or just poor quarterback play from the starter, and they limit the playbook for the backup. You're not seeing that with Brock Purdy. This, this is a completely open playbook. Shanahan feels completely comfortable with him at the helm right now. Otherwise, it went out and traded for somebody, and that happened. I mean, I was, I, actually, they couldn't, I don't think, because I think Jimmy G got hurt after the deadline. But, I don't know. I, I, look, I thought it was before the deadline. It, it might have been. I'm not exactly sure. I thought, yeah, Jimmy I, th- I down. for some reason, I thought Purdy was... Was McCaffrey in that Dolphins game? When when Jimmy G got hurt, it was right around there, but uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, so let me put it this way: you rediscovered Kittle, and right around that time, you got McCaffrey and added him. In the first week, you know he was kind of limited, but so let's say right, McCaffrey came in after Purdy came in, right? Well, duh, those those guys are two of the best guys at their at their uh, respective positions. McCaffrey's one of the best running backs. Kittle's one of the best tight ends. Sure, that's good enough to elevate quarterback play quite a bit if you have those to rely on. Yeah. Well, real quick, we do have to get a message in the KRNO before we get back to our discussion about the Eagles and Niners. To educate students, did you know undergraduate research and creativity gives you many of the resources needed to publish and present your work at regional, national, or international levels? To learn more, please visit www.kutztown.edu slash UGRC. You can also stay up to date on conferences and publication opportunities by following UGRC on Instagram at UGRC underscore KU. This message community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Coastal University, KUR. Heavy hitters here. We are live. Hour number Yo. two on this Wednesday morning. Can't say afternoon anymore because we are now a morning that show. Is so odd. 9 to 11. Got to get st- still getting used to that a little bit. Uh, but this is st- certainly a great way to wake yourself up here in the morning, talking about sports, getting a little fired up with some hot takes yeah. and some interesting discussions. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna move this along a little bit. We were talking about Brock Purdy. 
Uh, but real quick, you know, these two quarterbacks have actually squared off before, and it was at the college level. Mm. Brock Purdy, the Iowa State product. Jalen Hurts, after starting his college career at Alabama, transferred to Oklahoma. These two met in Big 12 play. Good find, Jack. In Norman, Oklahoma. It was a 42-41 win for Jalen Hurts and the Sooners. But I, tell you, but I tell you what, Oklahoma's number nine. Iowa State was unranked in this game. Oh, you. man. But wow. uh, both these quarterbacks played really well in that game. Sounds like it. Jalen Hurts went for 273, three touchdowns, one pick. Brock Purdy, 19-30, 282, five touchdowns, oh. no, no interceptions. Man. So both these quarterbacks have Please have don't played repeat each other. that, Brock. Both of them have played each other. Both of them played well when they played each other. I think I could s- expect some similar things this weekend. I'm not saying they're going to go 42-41. That would be... Look, that would be 42-41 Eagles in an NFC Championship game. I might... Like, my head might explode, Jack, if that were to happen. Um, I don't think We are going to have to move it along. So, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Just final thoughts and predictions. We'll, we'll do that. Quickly. I'll say this. The Eagles were better than... Either team I saw on the field between that Niners-Cowboys game, they scored more points than those two did combined. That being said, if you had to pick it, Jack, who you got this weekend? Sunday at 3. Niners in a tight one. 24. Wow. 24. 24-24? Oh. Oh. 24-23. <laughs> 24-24. Overtime. No, okay. yeah. um, um, I can't. Yeah. I have the Eagles. I have it 27-20. Okay. It's going to be a close game, I think. It's going to be a one-score game, I think. Giving the, oh. giving the Niners 24-23. I don't I just There's the a Super nagging Bowl. feeling that the Eagles actually do put it on them a little bit. If the Eagles won by double digits, would you say they're the Super Bowl favorite? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Yeah. I, I'm picking the dog just because... You, you know, know what? I, I like the Brock Purdy story, and I think he could actually get it done... But more than likely, did the Eagles win this game? Probably. I have a gut They are feeling. the better team. I have a gut feeling. I'm going to up it. I'm going 30-20 to 20 Eagles. Double-digit win. Convincing win. Um, and, and I just, I really think they'll be heading to, uh, what is it, Scottsdale? Yes. Scottsdale, Arizona. Man, oh man, that makes me excited just thinking about it. Well, feel like I'm back in the Padres series. We're going to move on to the AFC Championship. We're going to try to wrap this thing up here before our yeah. first break because we have other things to talk about here on today's show. Bengals, Chiefs, you already talked about these two teams a little bit. Patrick Mahomes has not won a game in his career against Joe Burrow. He is 0-3. They've met two times in the regular season, last year in the postseason, and Mahomes has come up empty against one of the top AFC quarterbacks and his counterpart in this game. Oh, not counterpart, I should say opponent. Um, but... It's a counterpart. I would say. I don't know why I thought that. It's still early. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. They will meet off meet each other. Wow. What is going on? Uh, Burrow, Mahomes, Chiefs, Bengals. Mitch, what are your thoughts on this game here to get us started? Man, I get worried about that Mahomes leg. Uh, I really do. Um, whether it, it rears its ugly head in this game remains It is a high ankle seen. sprain. Those are nagging. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if there's anyone that can... Play through an injury with talent. It's Mahomes. I, I look. He's he's gonna be okay. I just think Burrow is great, fully healthy, and and playing very well. Uh, I think both are complete teams. I think you're seeing that this year. Uh, the Bengals figured out, like you talked about earlier, they figured out their holes earlier in the season. The Chiefs, uh, like I talked about, they have a great defense, uh, well, a good defense. Um, I, I think it's a very good game. I think the Bengals by. Four. I'll go four. I'll keep it close, but uh, I, I do see it as a touchdown game ish. Um, so I, you know, I'll just go with it. I'll go Bengals. Um, thirty twenty-three. Well, my friend, we're on the same page. Mahomes goes zero for four. 
It goes 0 4 against uh, against Isn't that going to be crazy? The Chiefs fall in the conference championship game yet again, and Joe Burr and the Cincinnati Bengals will be rumbling onto the Super Bowl to play the 49ers in a rematch of the 1989 Super Bowl. <laughs> Who As won that one, the buddy? Bengals, yeah, the Niners won that Thought twenty so. to sixteen. So, the Bengals still looking for their first Super Bowl in franchise history. They will go back for back to back years. I like the Bengals to win it 35-24 over the Chiefs. I think Chase and this Bengals offense are going to be able to... eleven points. Yeah, I think they score five touchdowns. Yep, impressive. Burrow's just got that. He's got that dog in him. He, yeah, you could say that. I don't know. He's just got that 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 mojo, man. Cool, good point. calm, and collected. He's he's got that swag. He does. It's just who he is. It's part I, of I part of what too. he embodies. Joe Burr. Not as much by you, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that high ankle sprain really has an impact. I think it really Bengals, does. Bengals jump off to a fast start. My, my prediction is Chiefs find a way to respond. It'll be like a you know one possession score going into the half, but the Bengals pull away in the second half a little bit. I think the uh, the high ankle sprain comes up like second or third quarter. Like the Chiefs put up a couple drives, right? Like they get fourteen in the first like. You I know, think it gets him early because, you know, the adrenaline's not pumping yet for, for Mahomes right at the beginning of the game. You don't think so? I mean, it could be. I think but it will be. you're not running – I mean, you are running around a little bit in warm-ups. It's – you know, those first couple of drives, you're getting settled in. Yeah. It, it's not like flowing through your veins. It's not, it's not like, you know, pressure time, late in the game. That's when the adrenaline's your highest, right? Yeah. I think the, the wear and tear is going to – I think it'll take a little bit to set in. Uh, second or third quarter, and uh, we see Patrick Mahomes heading off toward the Chiefs. We're not going to see Mahomes running around a lot, and that's huge. That's it's it's because a he's massive a, implication. because he's a you know play creator. You right, know? He, he schemes his best plays are when he gets open. out of the pocket and he's able to make plays throwing go crazy across his body across the field. Look, gives he's Kelsey his best. time to get open. Exactly, gives Juju time to get open. Right, Mahomes at his best when he's out of the pocket creating plays for this offense. Yeah, he's he's a decent pocket passer, but that's not where he makes his living. Right. And that's so, not where he goes to a Super Bowl. That's not where he gets paid five hundred million. Exactly. To just sit in the pocket and you know dissect defenses. Can he do that? Sure. But he, he's at his best when he's ro- rolling out, roaming around, making crazy plays, and just finding ways to get things done so unconventionally. Yep. But uh, with that being said, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we are going to move on a couple MLB tidbits, trades to talk about, and you know spring training's kind of getting close. You know, pitcher catcher reporting. Spring training February twenty fifth, I believe, is the first spring training game for the Mets. So we're that's a month away. A month away from spring training game starting. MLB season is on the cusp. We are getting there, uh, but we will step aside. Plenty more sports talk coming to you next here on Heavy Hitters. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters, Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim. We have moved through pretty much the NFL talk. Uh, my pick is Eagles Bengals. Jack is Niners Bengals coming up for Super Bowl 57. We will tell you how it goes Monday morning, bright and early. That's going to be an interesting Monday, Jack. It'll either be one of the happier days of my life or or you'll be sad like you were after the World Series. Oh, almost not not that would not nearly be as sad losing a conference championship. No, but like to a World Series. Well, you could make the case because of how special this year was. You know? It just had Philly's know, year was more special. Little, not even close. I mean, yeah, just because of the underdog story, but like, you know, the Eagles, you know, the feeling in the air was, you know, this has got the feeling of a Super Bowl type year. It and to feels come up, like and to come up just short of that would really, really hurt. It feels very similar to 2017. And if you came up short, it would definitely hurt. No, it would it would hurt, but the Phillies, that crushed me. That I mean, yeah. Jordan Alvarez, like, I shot. cannot watch him anymore. Like I 
I am in pain. And and you know what? Every time you hear his name, you cringe. Just the hardest thing about this is like the Phillies haven't been good in so long, so there hasn't been that crushing moment that just eats my soul away. You know, been a while. in my life because I was too young back then. Like I don't remember. You become so accustomed to right. mediocrity. I don't remember that the, the minor taste of greatness you got. And the sh- it feels like the it feels like the greatest thing ever. And the bad and, ending. And the real bad ending. Really bad ending. And I it's like I don't remember the Cardinal series, right? I don't remember Howard laying on the ground. Um I, I see the highlights, I'm like, that seems those people seem so sad. because um, <laughs> it changed everything. Yeah, it it really changed the course of the franchise. But uh this is that moment for it's the first one, and you just you just have to let me do my thing and hate your Don. And and I'll be okay when when we in due time when we win the 2023 World Series. We'll see about that. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna get into some MLB uh, uh, talk because a lot has been going on in the off season. And Jack, I think most of this saga took place over the break. So I want to get your take on it on air. Uh, how are we feeling about the Mets after losing Carlos Correa? I'm feeling good. You're feeling good. Tommy Pham is him. No, that's <laughs> not. That's not. The point, but he's a good fourth outfielder. I'll tell you that. I'll take him as a fourth outfielder. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, the DH against left-handed starting pitching. That's so what it feels. I'll take right that. Uh, look for me. Would I have loved to have Correa? Of course. I'm not going to say I'm. I'm not going to say I'm not. That would be foolish. That would be simply, you know, ignorance. But the fact of the matter is, deal didn't get done. Clearly, it wasn't. You know, he was getting more guaranteed money over the first six years than the Twins. He took the money to go back to be the guy in Minnesota compared to being just another star in the Mets. And, you know, clearly that's kind of, I guess, what Correa values. Um, instead of, you know, trying to, you know, take a little bit less, you know, moolah and have a chance at a championship. I think he's taking more yearly money. He no, got, yeah. Uh, yeah, half but I'm the saying, years for I'm more saying, than half the money. Yeah, I'm saying instead of taking less money to be with the Mets for the mm. first half of the contract mm. and have a chance at some championships, you want to be the guy in Minnesota. I mean, you can have fun with that. I don't think the Twins are competing for a World Series in the next couple of years. Just don't. If you look around the AL, it's just not the the dynamic of the of the league. It's not I mean, a very good team. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, you have the East Division that's loaded. You have a couple star teams in Seattle and Houston, in the West, and then in the Central is just a, kind of a lot of bleh. When you have Cleveland, who's you know they're they're young, they're very young. They're going to be the they, 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 you know their division. pitching's going to be good, but what are you going to get out of that lineup? They brought in Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, are these young guys going to continue to do what they did last year? I don't know. I mean, the White Sox, well, what's going on with them? I mean, they, they need everything to go right to make the playoffs and, and stay healthy. I'm, is that going to happen? I'm not really sure. I mean, the Tigers, you know, took a major step back last year. They're kind of still trying to build themselves up a little bit. Uh, and, th- and then you got – why do I always blank on this team? The uh, – oh, man. There's one team I always forget in the Central. Yeah, I do it with the NL Central always. But uh, the AL, uh, Detroit, Minnesota, the White Sox, the uh, – who else did you say? Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland. Oh, that's going to irritate me. That's really... Why uh, can't I think of it? Oh, man. I want to win this so bad. I want to say it. Kansas City. Yes. Royals. Oh, how did I forget them? What they did to me? Oh, what they <laughs> did? How did I forget them? It's just going to have been so irrelevant in the past couple of years. Yeah. But uh, they actually struck a trade with the Twins. It was a minor one. Uh, yeah. I sent a, they sent a, um, I think, pitcher? What was it? Uh, No, Michael A. Taylor. Okay. Former national. Oh. To the Twins. Uh, a couple pitchers in return to Kansas City minor trade there, and the Royals also made another trade, striking Alberto Mondesi to the Red Sox mm-hmm. in exchange for a couple prospects, I believe. So, so interesting there. The so you know, fine. Correa goes to the Twins. So, how does this change how you see the uh, NL East race shaping up? Because the Phillies have continued to stay busy and 
have a, I think, pretty scary bullpen now. Uh, I think it's turning into a strength of the t- yes, yes. They have a couple guys. Alvarado, gross. Uh, You're gonna call Alvarado scary? I, I am. Really? The, him and Soto, who they made a great trade for, they had 81 percent of all 100 mile per hour greater fastballs thrown by lefties. I'm fine with that, but look, and, it's one thing to have Anthony, speed. It's one thing to have speed. You got to locate it. Yeah. You seen Alvarado get wild at times? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. He's, Soto can he, do but the he same. Has, the walks can. He's turned games upside down, Jack. Yeah, he has. Not in a good way. Yeah. So, uh, I, lo- I love what you say that the, the bullpen has been the str- is becoming a. P- it is becoming a strength. And Jose Alvarado is the first name he mentioned. I'm trying. Really, really helps. It, uh, it's expo- really helps bolster your argument. It is there. exposure therapy for myself, Jack. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying look, to be okay with him. Look, I'm trying. You got Sir Anthony. Yes, he's a good reliever. Can't dispute that. You got, you know, Canable in a middle inning role. I don't think Canable's here. It's better. I think he's back. I think so. I don't think he's back. I didn't see him leave. I did, I think. Where did he go? Uh where did Corey Canable <laughs> go? Guess I'm not guess I'm not uh up to speed unless unless he left. I could have swore he was back. Hit the hit the web with that one. Corey Canable. I thought he went to like Oh, he's a free agent. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh so he could have come back. The Phillies just didn't sign. I, I was about yeah. to say Eagles. Um, so yeah, you got Soto. You got. Uh, uh, so your back end's going to be Kimbrough. Sir Anthony. Oh, back end Soto oh. and Kimbrel. Do I love it? It's better. Do I love it? I think Kimbrel's not, not going to be really. in, the, in the back. I think it's Alvarado. He's going to be a seventh or eighth guy, and Kimbrel has I, as much experience as closing games as he does. Kimbrel will be a six or seven. Really? Oh, I would hope so. So you think Soto's going to be closing games? I think he will be at times, yeah. I, I, like what we saw this year where sometimes gonna it have was Canable, sometimes it was Alvarado, sometimes it was Dominguez. They're not going to have a designated closer. They're not going to have a lidge, right? They're not going to have a day-in, day-out closer. See, but I don't know if it's going to work come postseason. I don't. Why not? Because you need to have one guy who I you don't. know. If you're relying on multiple different guys and one guy's you know, not having a great stretch or a great time, and you, know you go to another guy, but you know, if you're not getting consistent looks in the ninth. If you keep switching it up, you know, how are you going to feel confident going there to the well in the postseason? I know and I know the That's what I leave up to Rob Thompson. That's where we trust the manager to make the right Do decisions. I trust a potential one-year wonder manager? He's got a lot of talent, don't get me wrong. And it seems like he knows oh, a potential he knows, one-year he, a baseball manager. He knows how to manage this cast of characters. I'm not going to say he doesn't because of what they did last year, but you know, one-year wonder that's offensive. Potential. I didn't say he was. I know. I said it's a potential, though. Because this is a guy who was a lifelong bench coach. Gets yeah. thrusted into an interim manager role. And excels. Goes on a Cinderella-type run. It's going to be tough to replicate that. I, it is. It, it is. is so hard Absolutely. to get to the World Series. It's going to be tough to replicate, especially when you don't the have your The road to the World Series is probably the toughest season. road to a championship in all of sports. It's the longest, for sure. I'd say that and hockey are probably the two hardest. Hockey are very difficult. He's got to play four. You got to play three seven game series before you even get to the final. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. On top of the the physically enduring eighty two game regular season that you got to play. Yeah, and, and the type of injuries that those guys play. I mean, it takes a different level of mental capability. Hockey I mean, those, is so those guys impressive. are those guys are built different. Literally, Hockey I mean, is so I mean, physically, yeah. mentally, those guys are just they're they're animals. I mean, the baseball season, twice as many games, though, right? You got to stay yeah. locked in. All those wins matter. 
Because um, you're playing a buck sixty-two in a probably like a hundred eighty-six day span. Anyways, this this diverted. I, I would say the Phillies have continued to make moves. Uh, I would like to see them add one more outfielder, but they you know have not uh, to this point. But the Phillies have a very good roster. The Braves obviously are still the class of the division, and the Mets. It's you know we were you were thinking Correa was going to be that big piece they added to change up the lineup. It's going to be mostly I, I understand they got Fam and, and a couple other smaller pieces. It's going to be running it back. Um, Do I we see one of the Mets' young prospects make an impact? You could, you could. Um, I think Beatty could. It's possible. I think you were excited about well him could. last year. I, I think he could. I think he's more major league ready than Alvarez. All around, Alvarez is a great hitter. Defensively, he does need a little bit more work, and that's why I think he's going to start the year in AAA. But, man, if you know, if, if Beatty, he excelled in AAA in a short time. Do we see him go back there maybe for the first month and call back up? Possibly. But if he excels in spring training, he could have a shot at starting third base role. He could. No no question about it. Um, I'm just wondering if you think this, this Mets team is on the same level as uh, I'm putting the Phillies and Braves on. I don't know if the Mets are done. I think we might strike a trade. Oh, okay. Maybe. Still, still faith in, in Cohen over there and everybody else? I mean, why, why would I Why would I deter from Cohen? I just... Dude, dude's got bags upon bags of money. Yeah, but he couldn't get Correa. With all those it's bags. Not that, all it's not Cohen's that he didn't have enough money. And all trust me. Men trust me. The money was not the, the issue. Couldn't it was put the, the Carlos Correa deal back together. It right was there. the medicals. I know. Okay? Yeah, Cohen has... Trust me. <laughs> He could have he easily made the money aspect work. He was just concerned with what they saw in the physicals. And that's why they walked away. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I don't want you to be taking a risk that you lock into for six years. Because what if the guy goes down? What if he goes down and it's never the same again? What if any guy goes down, Jack? I mean, yes, you could say that for everyone, but there's, there, there's, I know there's reasonable risk. concern here. Yes. It's not, like anyone else, it's not like everyone else who has the chance, but they haven't done it before. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it's 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 a, it's a tough area. It is. It's a tough line to draw. Tough concern. Am I bummed that he's not a Met? Yeah, because he's a star player. But you know what? I think this team will be fine. They'll be ready to compete. Uh, I think the rotation got better than it was last year. Objectively, it is. On I, paper, it is. I don't think Verlander is going to be as good as he well, was. I don't think he's going to be a one seven five year array guy. But I mean, th- th- those expectations are. Ridiculous. I mean, if he can be a 2-5 guy, that's yeah, great. That's good. If he's a 2-5 guy being a potential Cy Young candidate yet again, I'm, I've signed me up for that. Yeah. If Scherzer um, can stay healthy, that's great. If Sanga's, you know, what he's advertised to be, I mean, that's fantastic. I think his rotation's just as good, if not better, as last year. And I think yeah. Quintana's going to be better for than Walker was for us. Yeah, two differently built teams, you know. Phils and Braves built on hitting, and the Mets built on uh, on pitching here. This is going to be a really interesting division uh, albeit without Carlos Correa. I'm just going to keep saying it. Uh, you can. Uh, hit up some other uh, baseball storylines. What else do we have go down? Marlon struck a trade for 2022 AL batting champion Luis Arise. Goes down to South Beach in return. The starting pitcher Pablo Lopez and a pair of prospects go in return to the Twins. Now, you might be thinking, why would the Marlins make this trade? And honestly, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> why would the Marlins make this trade? They're not in a position to compete. Do you think they're on the level with the other three teams in this division? I don't. Close. They don't oh, I thought there. you were going to give me a but. I was, I was like, I was waiting for it. No, that's just, no. That's, it's, but, they're, I mean, their pitching is great. Yeah. Their starting pitching is great. Their lineup is... Lackluster. Average at best. The bullpen's decent, I'd say. 
I'll give them. But, I mean, I'll give them the credit. They're not going to be the pushover automatic no, sweep. They're going to be this, they're going to be the same old pesky Marlins that we've been accustomed to seeing. But they're not going to be a team that's also going to push the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. You never know. Crazier things have happened. They have, but I mean, who's who's hitting on this? No team? one's. No one's hitting. When you got Chisholm. You got a rise. You got. I don't. I do not like Jazz Chisholm. I'm not a big fan of him either. I, he's a flashy player, but I think he's a little cocky. I don't like his attitude. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I remember we were down in uh, Seattle watching a Phillies Marlins game, and everyone. I, I don't even remember what he did. It's not like he hit a home run or anything. Everyone was just upset with Chaz McCormick or Jazz McCormick. Chiz. Oh, that was a flashback. It's okay. Chaz McCormick makes the catch. I'm, the dirt in dead on the morning track. I don't like to think about it. Okay. Anyway, um, Jazz Chisholm, we were all upset in the living room. That's my that's the point. Any, of my any hot takes right now, Mitch? Any hot takes? Uh at this at this point. Mets finishing third is not a hot take. Uh that's a very likely take, actually. We'll see. Um I'll let that be for now. Let's see. Let me think about the playoff teams in my mind real quick. You got the Braves, Phillies, Mets from the East, I think. Someone from the central. Probably St. Louis. Yeah. And, also got Milwaukee uh, thrown in the mix. And Dodgers. Padres from the West. Is that seven? Yes. Or that's six, and there's only six teams, right? Seven spots. Seven spots now? Yeah, that's how it was last year. That's oh. how you guys got in. Oh, were we? Wait, is it? Because I thought it's the three division winners. Three division winners. No, it, it is six. Sorry. Okay. Six, yeah. Yeah, seven in football. Okay, so those are the six. I was trying to think if there's a way the Marlins battle six. for a playoff spot. There's not. No, there's uh, not. No, I think the I th- it's just not going to happen. I think it's going to be the same. That's going to be interesting. The same six playoff teams as last year. You could year. see a swap in the central, maybe potentially. I doubt it, but uh, could. Uh no. So NL, I don't have any hot takes. Um, AL, I do. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear you. Diamondbacks contend for a playoff spot. Don't get in, but they'll be there. Mm. So the interesting and thing they'll about make this things is interesting last, in the West. At the, last semester. I peddled that a team from Arizona would compete for a playoff spot, and it did not go well for me. Jack is trying to uh, show me how it's Well, done. the difference is because the D-backs are a young team with actual talent <laughs> compared to the Cardinals who have terrible coaching, who had terrible coaching. <laughs> and The way you said coaching. it was beautiful. Yeah, well, I mean, the Cardinals' coaching was terrible. The difference is the Diamondbacks are a young team with talent. <laughs> I mean, now, the, repeat the, after me. Not that the Cardinals I have no talent. Yeah, the <laughs> Cardinals have talent. It's just their coaching was bad, and I think Tori Lovello, uh, for the for the D backs, their manager, is is wellly capable of, of you know managing these guys and having them compete. I'm not saying they're going to make it. I'm not saying the D backs are going to surprise the world and make the playoffs over the Padres or the Dodgers, but they're going to compete. They're going to be there. They're going to finish okay. third in the West. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think that's a bad idea. Under the radar team that I love for 2023 is Arizona. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. I will uh, allow you to have that, and we will watch how it goes. I can't believe how how close this season is coming. I know. Um, We are crazy, right? Two-ish months away now. Yeah. From, uh, what is it, like March 30th it starts? Yep, March 30th. Opening day. Do the Phils play March 30th, or are they a 31st team? Mm, I'm not sure. I haven't been keeping tabs on the Phils schedule. All I know is that they play Jacob deGrom and the Rangers. Yeah, that's so. going to be upsetting. Like we, I, I just can't believe that as soon as he leaves and we go face the team that he just happens to be on now. And one of the most uh, high-spending teams of this past offseason. Yeah, re- Rangers really uh, making a point. You think they? Uh, where no. do you think they end up? Third. Third in their division. Yep. 
behind Seattle and Houston. Not okay. in that order. In that I was gonna say in that order. Um okay, so you think Houston then Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Rangers, you don't even think get a, a wild card? Nope. Hmm. I don't. Tough I think luck. I don't think they're that great. They're relying on a bunch of guys who potential one offs, Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney. Yeah. You have DeGrom. You know, what what is Nathan Evaldi at this point of his career? He's not the guy who was pitching for the Red Sox and then won the World Series. It's a good point. What do they get out of those guys? They need one. Of, they need multiple of those guys to be really good. At least they're. I swinging. don't think they are. At least they're swinging, Jack. They didn't. They didn't spend on the outfield at all. They're running the same outfield they had last year, which wasn't great at all. Yeah. Dolis Garcia, and that's about it. But I don't know. I don't love the Rangers. Just like I don't love the Cubs. People are like, "Ooh, the Cubs maybe in the Central." I don't think so. All right. Well, but, we do have to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back one more segment. Uh, figure out if there's anything else uh, NFL or MLB. That couple. Uh, one, one more MLB we, uh, tidbit. I okay. Touch on. So we got some more tidbits. Then we got college hoops or, or whatever else we uh, college we dive hoops into. indeed. Yes, well, sir. Last break of today's show. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more of MLB talk wrapping that up, and then college basketball. We got to get you updated a little bit uh, here. What's been going on recent weeks? Contenders, pretenders, possibly, and uh, you know, gearing up for March Madness. So uh, you know, there's still some time to go in that realm, but plenty more coming your way next here on the first edition of Heavy Hitters of the New Semester. And welcome back to Heavy Ears, everybody, right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack Hyme, Mitchell Smedley, final part of today's show. We were talking about MLB tidbits, what we could potentially expect for the upcoming season, and then we're going to shift our focus into the college basketball aspect here. But real quick, we were talking about you know maybe where the Rangers end up. I say third. Mitch was kind of in agreement with me here. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at this kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, what we could possibly expect, who could maybe be some surprise teams. I'm big on the D-backs, especially in the NL. If I had to give an AL surprise team, maybe maybe Tampa Bay. I don't know. Tampa Bay kind of has higher expectations, but I feel like, you know, with just how low market of a team they are, maybe they, you know, maybe they catch some people by surprise. I'm not saying they're going to win the Eastern Division, but I think they're certainly going to be there uh, as one of the top wildcard teams. Or maybe Seattle to win the West. I think they could definitely top Houston. That's going to be an interesting uh, you know, aspect of the discussion here. Could the Mariners top the Astros in the West Division here. Certainly an aspect you've got to talk about uh, with how up-and-coming the Mariners are, the young team, Julio Rodriguez, the young star, some of their young pitching, George Kirby uh, has been fantastic. So well, it's going to be interesting to see what the Mariners do up in the Pacific Northwest here. Uh, and, you know, Mitch? Yes, sir. One more tidbit here for us today okay. before we move on. Scott Rowland was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. Started his career in the city of brother love, brotherly love with the Phillies. Before moving on to the Cardinals, where he had some of his best years, was a four-time All-Star with the Cardinals uh, before moving on to Toronto and then ending his career with a couple of All-Star campaigns in Cincinnati. So the longtime shortstop at third baseman, I'd say more third baseman, but uh, is, yeah, it, is third in the hall. Baseman. It's yeah. in the hall. He, yeah, congratulations to, uh, to Scott. Um, great player, totally deserves it, and uh, great to... Uh, have him at least for a little bit of time here in uh, in Philadelphia at the start of his career. So definitely gl- uh, glad you brought that up. All right. Well, we're going to move on, wrapping up today's show, college basketball. Mitch, I know you're starting to get into college hoops a little bit. I What I do is I listen to Jack, right? I get amped up for March Madness, and then I watch. Uh, March I pick Madness. a team, watch March Madness. I don't know if it's going to be Nova this year. I gotta, I gotta They're not in. Someone. So, Nova's 10 and 10, not, uh, 500 in the Big East. That's not going to make it. Probably one so, of the most disappointing teams in college basketball of, of, of this year, if I have to be honest. So full disclosure, usually I can just, you know, 
listen and pretend like I'm I'm with you on on everything. But I, I'm going to be full disclosure. I need you to tell me some of the top teams here, so I know who, who's who to pay attention to here. All right. Well, this is perfect. I will inform Mitchell and any of you who have not been you know keen in paying attention on how college basketball has transpired to this point in the season. We're in late January, and if you know if you're a top team, this is your time to get your rut out of the way. You want to peak in February, going into March. And playing your best basketball down the stretch of the season. That way, when it comes NCAA tournament time, you're playing your best basketball and, and you're feeling ready to go. Because playing in March is different than playing in the regular season. There's a different, completely different dynamic there. It's just like playing in the postseason to the regular season. It's like a brand new season. And, you know, the, the style of play to win in March is different than the style of play to win in the regular season. That's just objectively how it is. But to answer your question about top teams, right now, uh, the one seeds would, in my opinion, more than likely would be Purdue, Alabama, and then I'd say, you know, the three and four over, uh, overall seeds in the last two number one seeds. Tough discussion. I'd probably put Houston there right now. And then followed by probably Arizona at this juncture. Hmm. No team I have a, a particular connection to. Okay. So, and I'd say Alabama is probably the best team in the country right now. You think? They, they, I mean, yeah, it's, it's shocking because it's basketball, but... Yeah, they're, they're just say. they're just steamrolling opponents in SEC play. They've won every SEC conference game by double digits. Wow. Yeah, it, it's been all tied. I mean, they've gone on the road. They've dominated teams, even out of conference play. I mean, they have a win on the road against Houston, who in my opinion is a fellow number one seed or definitely could be at the top of the two line. Uh, at, at this point, you can make the debate that maybe, you know, either Kansas State, Tennessee, you know, UCLA. There, there's other options there, there on that one line. So... I think what makes this year so interesting is, you know, you have Purdue and Alabama, who are solidified as ones and at this point, I think for sure. And now it's just figuring out those other two. And that's strange because usually at this time, you start to get the separation. You start to, you know, realize, okay, you know, who's going to be a one? You know, will, will, a, will, will a Big 12 team have a one seed? Because the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. I mean, they have so many good teams. They have Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, Iowa State. I mean, there's so many quality teams who are in the top 50 of the net rankings out of the Big 12. And, you know, you got to put some respect there. Whoever wins that conference definitely could be worthy of a one seed with their resume, uh, you know, with their underlying stats, uh, Kempom rankings, all the stuff that the committee takes into consideration when making their official bracket uh, come Selection Sunday, which is March 12th. So we are getting there, Mitch, less than two months away. Less than two months, yes, sir. So I hope that answers your question. I'd say Purdue and Alabama are probably the top two teams in the country right now. How's, uh, how's good old UNC doing? UNC, well, not in the top 25. Duke also out of the top 25 as Man, right now. Those but, are staples. Yeah, they uh, are blue blood programs. Uh, but as for the ACC, we'll take a look. It's just a series of dumb questions from Mitchell Smedley. Here. Oh, good. <laughs> blue bloods are the traditional powerhouse programs of college okay. basketball. So Kansas, okay. Duke, UNC, three of the most prominent. And Kentucky, four of the most Kentucky, prominent yeah, programs one, yeah. uh, on college basketball who just have you know expected success at, at elite level year in and year out. So... Take a quick look at the ACC standings. UNC seven and three, fifteen and six overall. They're better than Duke right now. Uh, you know, UNC just got a big one on the road over Syracuse last night by Not a couple bad. of points uh, against Joseph Girard, who leads the Orange, and Jim Beheim, who's been there forever. Uh, but he will be nearing retirement soon. I don't know if that's this year, maybe after next year, if he comes back for one more. But uh, I think he wants to end with an NCAA tournament appearance. So, you think Penn State will get in? Great question. They are a bubble team right now. Penn, Penn State hearing, is a bubble yeah. team. Uh, you know, some people have them in with their last four buys, first four in, first four out. They've been kind of sitting on that range, and they had a chance to get in. You know, I'd say solidly with the win last night. They went on the road and played a top twenty-five Rutgers team, 
or who was a top 25 Rutgers team before this latest Rutgers is good at something? You know, yes, Rutgers <laughs> is very good at basketball. Okay. They're probably the second best team in the Big Ten. All right. That but uh, Penn State me. went on the road last night and fell by 20 to Rutgers. Oh. Okay. Now, this doesn't eliminate Penn State. There's still a lot of games to be played. Uh, they're, I believe, 4-5 and five in the Big 12, and the Big 12, Big 10, uh, pardon me. Yeah. A lot of numbers going on. So, but, man, I tell you what, Penn State, Jalen Pickett, Love watching that guy play basketball. The senior transfers, you know, second year with the program, came in from Siena. That he can, he can ball, he can play, he can do a lot of things. He can shoot the three, you know, drive down inside. He, I know, he's a six four guard, just backing down guys in the post. I mean, you don't see that too often. Just the guys have that, you know, that energy about them to go in the post as a guard and just be physical and back down guys. But that's just you know the way Jalen Pickett's built. He is the guy for Penn State. Uh, this is mostly a transfer portal built team. Uh, and this is what you could do in the transfer portal era. I mean, you have Seth Lundy, who's been with Penn State for a long time, played quite well shooting the three against Rutgers last night. Uh, but then you get, you know, Andrew Funk transferring from Bucknell. You have Cameron Cameron Winter transferring in from Drexel. This is a transfer build team that Michael Shrewsbury's built, but they have, you know, some chemistry. They're led by their guard play. Uh, the, you know, the post-scoring and defense has been a problem for Penn State. But to answer your question about whether they can get yep. in or not, uh, they can. They can. But okay, they got cool. to take care of business in the Big Ten. They got to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Maybe get a couple more, I'd say maybe one or two more signature road wins. And, you know, barring an early Big Ten tournament exit, I think Penn State could put themselves in a good position uh, to make March Madness for the first time in cool. over a decade. That'd be awesome. Yeah, obviously I'd uh, root, for, root for Penn State if they got in. They're just not usually in. That's why I thought I'd ask. Uh, in terms of like a powerhouse-ish team, I guess, you said Tennessee was on the bubble for a one seed? Yes. Yeah, Tennessee will probably be the, you know, I jumped on their bandwagon during football season. Yeah, so. you're a Morgan Wallen guy. I, I am a Morgan Wallen guy, right? So. Guess the joke's on Alabama, because they lost big this time. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did lose in football, but I'd probably say they're better in basketball. So, yeah, But so. before we get back to our college basketball discussion real quick, we do have a message from the KUR Notebook. Attention to KU community. The Career Development Center will be hosting an in-person internship and job fair on Wednesday, March 29th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. in McFarland Student Union Room 218. 60-plus employers are expected to attend, and this is your opportunity to shake hands, get your resume out, and talk with employers. Search for career-related internships and jobs. Professional dress is required. Business suits are preferred. Be sure to come with plenty of resumes in hand. Resumes should be submitted to Handshake for review prior to this event. Please check the list of employers in Handshake at www.kutztown.edu slash Handshake. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. K. You are wrapping up today's show. Final about 10 minutes or so, less than that. But Mitch... Uh, keep having me with your college basketball questions. What do you want to know? Um, ah, what do I want to know? So, how many how many more games do we have, and what are like some of the highlights that we're looking for down the road to sort all this out? All right. Well, uh, bubble talk is always common at this time of the bubble year. talk. You bubble. Know. I assume that's like the edge of who's yes, the edge like, of who gets in. Like who gets into the first four? Well, who is the last the four? Chargers buys. win, or the Patriots lose, or the Dolphins exactly. Tie, it's like the know? playoff hunt. Yeah, it's exactly. building your resume, beating tournament teams, and not suffering some bad losses, which are like quad three and quad four. Like, okay. for example, last night, Miami played Florida State, my team, and went on the road and whooped them. If Miami would have lost that game, that would have been a quadrant four loss, and those are bad blemishes on your resume compared to teams who have good records in quad one and quad two, which are against, you know, elite teams uh, slash top 25 teams in quad one. Uh, and quad two is more like the decent teams are in the top top half, I'd say top 50 to 60 of the net rankings. Uh, which is a good metric that the committee uses a lot to judge your resume on, you know, wins, losses, and where you fall in that set of rankings. So, okay, um, I'd say it's different for every team, but I'd say it's about, you know, the Western's a little bit more because they had a. I'll use Penn State for an example, you know, because you have a 
dog in that fight. So they have one game left in January, so they have 11 games left. Gotcha. There is time. There's time. There's time to bolster or fall out of the race. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, how about for these... uh, Let's talk about the one seeds. Um, so we we have two of them pretty much locked down. How about for those those As last of right two now, spots? Things can change. Yeah, they can. Assuming those two hold, how much? What are you uh, looking for for the other two uh, one seeds to sort out? It's a revolving door. I think a Big Twelve team will certainly take it. Whether maybe it be Kansas, I think Kansas certainly has a good shot to take that one seed. If you know, they they've been scuffling of late. Kansas has lost three straight. Not something that happens often with the Jayhawk program. They're going to go face a surging Kentucky team uh, in the Big Twelve SEC battle on Saturday. Uh, so that's going to be a big matchup for the Jayhawks to kind of right the ship here uh, against a, a team in Kentucky that's certainly been playing well as of late. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've found a, you know, a set of five guys who've been able to work together on the floor pretty well. Don't really have a deep bench to either team, but I'm going to be interested to see how the post battle works. Shebway for Kentucky going to be meeting up, I think, with KJ Adams down in the post for Kansas. You know, a different thing for Kansas this year, they don't really have a true five. They don't have a center, and that's kind of an identity of a Bill Self coach team. They David McCormick last year was kind of be able to big body in the post. He could score, he could, he could defend pretty well. It was a big part of why they won the national championship, uh, but they don't really have that kind of guy this year. So I'm interested to see. How Kansas is going to be able to manage things down uh, down low, especially for the rest of the season. Big 12 is an you know, incredible conference. I mean, you cannot take a night off in the Big 12. There's that many good teams from top to bottom. Even Texas Tech, who's 0-7 in conference play, they have a talented roster. Do not sleep on anyone in that conference. So if I had to say one seed, probably say maybe Kansas get in there uh, at that line. Maybe Houston will find a way. Or maybe UCLA and Arizona at the Pac-12. I think any of those assortment of teams. Maybe even Tennessee, too. I'm just, I don't love the Vols. Their offense goes in and out at times. Their defense is really good. That's a Rick Barnes, a staple of a Tennessee team. But their offense is just too inconsistent for me. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Houston. Was Houston the one that beat St. Peter's last year? It was UNC. UN- oh, oh, I feel like I would have remembered that more. Um, so, which brings me to my next point. Uh, St. Peter's was the Cinderella story last year. Uh, is there a lower seed that you kind of had your eye on that like, hey, these guys have something here. They could make you know one of those runs from from sort of down low. Uh, I know it's always hard to predict those. Everyone always talks about it, the, the bracket killers and everything like that. Um, do you have your eye on anyone like that this year? That's a great question, Mitch. And, and you know, in late January, these mid-major races are so interesting to watch because they're the most chaotic conferences. Yes. You know what to expect out of the Power Six, you know, being, you know, the Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, Pac-12, and SEC. That's, that's the one I didn't say. So those six conferences, I mean, there's chaos in those conferences too, but you know what you're expecting? A lot of those teams are pretty much solidified to make the tournament once conference tournament time rolls around. But the mid-majors are where things can get tricky because you get those lower-down teams who surge, win the conference tournament, uh, like a five-seeded Drexel out of the Colonial a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Elon, who was an eight-seed a couple years ago, ran the table all the way to the conference tournament game, or conference championship game uh, and, and fell to Drexel in that game. So, for example, I mean, those mid-major conferences are always so tough to pinpoint. But if there's one who's been... Really, really intriguing to me. I think it's got to be Florida Atlantic. They haven't made the tournament since 2002 out of Conference USA. They defend really well. They can score. They got good guard play. I really like what the Owls have been able to do so far this year. Uh, another one that's, you know, they're, they're a mid-major, uh, but St. Mary's out of the WCC. They're not really a lower down C. They're going to be a four or five, but I just like what they do. They defend well. Their offense has been really, really good this year, and Randy Bennett's got them playing well. I think they could beat Gonzaga and, and win the WCC, so it's going to be interesting to see that. Is uh, Gonzaga WCC? Yep. I thought they were in one of these big six. Yeah, no, they're not. Interesting. But they're not really mid-major because they're, they're just so they're very good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. But if you know, if I'd answer your question, maybe a 13 or lower right now, it's tough to gauge. But 
I'd have to say maybe Marshall's team. They're they're probably going to be lining up at about a thirteen. Um, so you know they could certainly make some noise. Uh, who's another team? Southern Illinois out of the uh, out of the Valley, the MVC. Okay. They're they're another team who's been playing pretty well. They're they're projected fourteen right now per Joe Lenardi of, of ESPN. So yeah, do we see another fifteen going to run? We've seen it the past couple of years. You know, Oral Roberts in twenty twenty one. They were fifteen. They went they went all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, before losing Arkansas, no, Sweet 16 before losing Arkansas. And, you know, St. Peter's, of course, last year. I don't know. There there might be a team like that this year. I wouldn't put it past it uh, with how the transfer portals really allowed the, you know, these mid-major teams, you know, to bulk up. There's so much parity in the sport this year. And I don't think there's a true title favorite right now. A couple years ago, you know, you had Gonzaga and Baylor. Last year, Kansas really started to separate themselves from the pack. I say, you know, it was Gonzaga, UCLA was in that conversation. Out of the final four teams that made it, and Gonzaga was a top overall seed. I mean, they were like everyone was picking Gonzaga, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, Kansas is one. They were a really good team. You know, they had Ochai Abaji, who was able to spread the floor well. You know, as a wing, you had McCormick. I mentioned earlier, Jalen Wilson, who's back and the star of this year's Kansas team. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. Yep. I, right now, I wouldn't say one mid major. There's a couple to keep an eye There's on the few. Mountain. Yeah, the Mountain like West that. is a conference as, as a whole. The Mountain West is a conference who's been very strong this year as a mid major. They might field three to four tournament teams. Wow, uh, with how good they've been. So, I mean, Boise Impressive. State, New Mexico, San Diego State, Nevada, and Utah State are probably the top five to watch out of that, that conference. Not all of them will make it, but right. three to four most certainly could. That's how good the Mountain West has been this year. So that's okay. a fun conference to watch. Uh, if you're ever bored late night, just turn on turn on the Mountain West. And they they play some fun brand of basketball. I do there, like so. how the the West games are always on later. Uh, who do you root for, by the way, in March Madness? I'm a Florida State guy. They're Florida not going to make it this year. Yeah, but uh, teams I like, uh, I'm a, I'm a Baylor guy. I like Scott mm. Drew. He's one of my favorite head coaches. Uh, teams in general, I just pull for. Ooh, who you pull for, and who do you think is the favorite? To who, who do you if you had to place a bet right now? Who would you be betting? National champion, Alabama. Alabama. And okay. keeping it simple. I don't know. We'll revisit this next week. We do have to Absolutely. sign off. Yep. We'll be back on Monday. More Thank you to everybody hoops. for listening in to this edition of Heavy Hitters. First one of the semester, as always. Go your listenership birds, is very much appreciated. Enjoy Big the week. NFL weekend games. Conference championship oh, yeah. week is here. So much to talk about. We will be back on Monday recapping that. Who's in the Super Bowl? Thank you all for listening.